Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the code TWIP2. This episode is also brought to you by FreshBooks, the simple cloud accounting solution that's helping thousands of new entrepreneurs and small business owners save time billing and get paid faster. Sign up for free today at getfreshbooks.com and join over 5 million users running their businesses with ease. And this episode is also brought to you by Drobo, the makers of the amazing 5D, 5N, and Drobo Mini. These blazingly fast, high-capacity drives are built for photographers and multimedia professionals. For a limited time, you can save $50 off your purchase at drobostore.com. Just use the code TWIP50. This week on TWIP, new hardware from Nikon, Pentax, Panasonic, and Sony. Also, Adobe's principal product manager, John Knack, joins Google's digital photography team, plus layoffs and restructuring at Sony. And finally, an interview with portrait and headshot photographer, Peter Hurley. It's Wednesday, February 12th, 2014, and this is TWIP. And welcome back to TWIP. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Joining me this week to tackle some of the stories that have been flowing through the wires are Mr. Ron Brinkman and Mr. Derek Story. Hey, guys. Welcome. Hello. It's good to have both of you. You know, again, this is this is one of those shows where I'm intimidated because <laughs> you guys know more than I do. So I'm just going to I'm gonna guide the conversation, ask questions, and then sit back and let you guys. Oh, man. Listen to this. <laughs> All right, let's Sorry. let's start with Ron though. Let's start with Ron. Ron, you haven't been on in a while, and a uh, little time. bird told me that you went off to a tropical island as a single man and came back in a, in a holy union. What's he, going on? He make, you make it sound like I went off to an island and then found a bride to bring back with me. <laughs> Wait, that, that was a rumor. That was a rumor I heard. <laughs> no, my, uh, my bride did accompany me to the island in the first place. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> I've been I've been uh, off in a whole different world lately between uh, planning a wedding and uh, doing a wedding and then going on a honeymoon and everything. So yeah. it was it was great. It was beautiful. We got we got married in in Hawaii on the island of Kauai, uh, North Shore. Had a uh, great set of photographers, Sea Light uh, Studios, to photo stuff for us. We had an awesome videographer who was above and beyond the call of duty. Um, and uh, and, wait, and you paid that videographer, right? Because I remember I, before the wedding, you were trying to figure I, out ways not to pay the photographer. No, no, no. I was never, never suggesting oh, that I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't pay them. I was just, I was just commenting on the fact that, um, you know. Yeah. See, now he's back. Derek, 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 Ron was. I remember. I forget what episode number it was, but it was before he got married, and he was like. You know what? I understand those people that go down the road of like shoot and then ask for the disc and the raw files. <laughs> so, Ron, oh, wow. put you on the spot. Did you get an album in the whole package, or did you just say, you know what, dude, get give me the raw files. I'll handle it. Uh, no, I mean, you know, you, you you do the sign up for the whole uh, the whole deal with the 
the packages and everything, which I think yeah. you want. You know, you, you want a, a pro to take it start to finish. But yeah, everybody did agree to give me the raw footage uh, and the raw files as well, which is fine. You know, and for me, that's uh, I don't know if I'll ever use them, but you kind of like I, I just want them, right? I just wanted to get them. So um, yeah, yeah, you know, you're like I just want to have them. They made me feel better to know that they're sitting on my hard drive. I could go and refer to them and post-process them later if I want to, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, like I said, I may never look... I mean, <laughs> between the, the photos that we already shot just ourselves and we haven't even gotten anything back from the photographers or the videographers yet, you know, the amount of stuff to go through is daunting just in and of yeah. itself. So now you add on all the stuff that they shot. But, um, yeah, they were great. I'll, I'll actually put a link on the, uh, on the website or however we do this these days to mention who exactly I used because they were just just you know above and beyond oh, <laughs> the yeah. videographer uh, we, we did we did like a big um, we took everybody out for zip lining in Hawaii as well <laughs> you and the videographer that. was like well I'll come along and, and, and shoot that as well and he shows up with a friggin drone you know and <laughs> he did not drone he showed up with a drone yep, yep. wow yep that's so he's, cool he's flying this and of course you drone aircraft you weren't paying for that drone because you can't you know, really do that. He was that would be he gave that, that in for be, free. Yes, yeah. He was he was a hobbyist using a drone to uh, shoot some footage on for his own benefit. Yes, yes. And uh, and then it just you know he may let me take a look at it, but uh, that's beside the point. Yeah, there you go. Cool man. <laughs> I mean, first of all, congratulations. You know, yep. jump in the broom. You know, stomping on the glass and all that stuff. So I'm happy. Uh, Ron is Ron is now off the market. Look at that, ladies. Yeah, it's true. You know, it's true. cry into your handkerchiefs. Ron Brinkman is no longer on the market. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So, awesome. Good. It was it was great, and uh, you know, like I said, Sea Light Studios and uh, Supreme Video are the guys that uh, took care of me. But uh, and then we went off to Fiji, and you know, there's a whole other experience of uh, laying on a beach for. Couple weeks, yeah, of course. But that's you. That's what you normally do. You're just like, yeah, you know. Honestly, this was like the first vacation myself and my and my wife, Jean. We neither one of us. Uh, uh, How does that feel, Ron, to say my wife? I know. I, mean, I think that's the first time in history as I've ever heard you say the phrase "my wife." She, she uh, when we were doing <laughs> speeches or you know thanking everybody at the wedding, she still referred to me as her fiance, yeah. and everybody just started you know jeering because she was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, husband." Yeah, um, <laughs> he's to say my boyfriend or this, you yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> this guy I'm seeing. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's very different. But uh, that's cool, yeah, man. So, and I also, yeah. I also heard, which is I think maybe even bigger than getting married. I heard <laughs> that you had switched to micro four thirds. I mean, I did. Come on, I did. <laughs> that's, now that's a commitment. Yeah, heck with this this marriage stuff. I got uh, I got all new lenses and stuff. Yeah, um, what happened? What, what did well, you switch you know, to? Yeah, yeah. I mean, to to bring it back to photography. I mean, we've talked about this on and off for several years, right? And and I've always sort of known that it was about time to switch over to um, a smaller format for me personally, with what I tend to do, which is a lot of traveling in photography and carrying yeah. around a big camera is uh, you know is a consideration to me. I don't I don't like yeah. I don't like the weight and the bulk of having such a big system, and so I figured you know just gonna do it. Now's the time to do it. Plus, the cost of a whole new camera system pales in comparison to the cost of a wedding. You're just kind of like, oh, <laughs> this is nothing. So, yeah. Would yeah, you, so, you end up buying? What's what's so the I, uh, M43 camera you have? I went and bought the Olympus, uh, the uh, EM1. Oh, okay. We got to talk about that. The yeah. EM1. You know, Doug Doug K is doing a doing a review on that for our All About the Gear show. So I want to. 
I want to hear your thoughts on it. Uh, I can. I have many thoughts on it. In fact, we could probably spend a whole a whole show talking about it. But we will uh, talk about that later. We're we're yeah. gonna talk about that. Yeah, definitely. Right. Cool. Well, welcome back. It's good to have you back. You know, and let's not Very make it good. another nine months before you come on the show again. Yeah. Well, fortunately, I won't have another wedding to plan, so I will have a little more free time. Let's hope not. <laughs> let's hope not. <laughs> All right. Also on the show, another powerhouse voice here is Mr. Derek Story from the DigitalStory.com. Hey, Derek. What's going on, man? Hey Frederick, I'm doing well. Thanks. It's good. It seems like it's been a bit. It's been yeah. forever. I don't know what. Where have you, you been? You went running around. That's what happened. You went. Running I have. Around. I've been on in January alone. I was on three trips at three yeah. different like yeah, nice. shows. You know, Photo Plus and what was it? CES and then Imaging USA. It's you know, it's crazy. So what's going yeah. on in your world? Uh, well, I just got a new gig. Hey. Wait a yeah. minute! Aren't you independently employed? How do you, how do you get a new gig? <laughs> well, it's uh, I am independently employed, but you know you need you need the uh, money coming in from all those little yes those little revenue multiple streams. revenue streams. So I have a uh, I have a new revenue stream now. So okay, what is I'm it? Working what is it? with a magazine, CT Digital Photography Magazine, out of uh, Germany. Hey, what are you doing for them? Uh, you know they're they're uh, trying to establish a North American presence. So I'm I'm gonna be their North American guy. I'm their I'm an associate editor. Yeah, yeah. So congratulations, you know, man. Yeah, that is awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, it's cool. So, it's fun. So what all does that entail? What to, what is your duty? Well, going you know, to be? the magazine itself is really deep. They're the kind of people that will write you know eight pages on you know lens analysis. You know, so yeah. it's a very uh, technical. They're very cool that way. And uh, what I do is uh, I'm going to be running their Facebook page, their Twitter feed, uh, helping them with the uh, North America website, uh, coordinating the bloggers, writing blog posts, yeah, all that kind of stuff because what happens, all the content's originally written in German. And then they have it translated, but then the translation comes to me. And then yeah. I make it American. Because, you guys, right, right, right. <laughs> that translation is not American. <laughs> tell me, tell me they're not using Google Translate on that, because that could uh, that could really mess things up. <laughs> they're not. They're you know to their credit, they're they're using a real person for the okay. for the translation. But uh, you know they have uh, you know idiomatic phrases that that don't resonate with you know an American ear and. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, you know, just kind of a different way of saying things. So it's actually, I actually really enjoy uh, getting those pieces and then working on them and and you know making them you know American. And I get to put my voice on them then also. That's cool. Uh, now, how does that how does that does it impact your your work in writing articles for MacWorld magazine? Uh, I you know I so far I've been able to work it in with everything else. So cool. still working with MacWorld, still working with uh, LowPro. Uh, you know, I'm doing this, and uh, I've got a big workshop coming up. Uh, hey, what's that? Art, uh, that's at the end of the, uh, this month, doing a fine art workshop where we do black and white one day and HDR the other day. Nice. And um, and then I'm recording a, a Linda title here in a week. On every um, time I talk to you, you've either either finished recording a Linda yeah. title or <laughs> about to record one. Well, I I got two two more in the pipe, right? Three more in the pipe right now. So wow. you know that'll be that'll be fun. But talk about multiple that, revenue streams, right? That's what. That's, yeah. Well, that's yeah. a you know that one's really super important to me. Right. Uh, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, because you know clients kind of come and go. You know how they are. They're funny I that do. way. I do. Trust me, <laughs> so I, know. I, I know. I like stuff that has my own name on it. Uh, but yeah, we're gonna do it on uh, shooting senior portraits, 
And, oh, very uh, cool. Uh, very live cool. action. Wait, seniors as in high school seniors or seniors yeah. as in, you know, older they, people? Yeah, I mean, no, you know, I'm, I got gray hair too, so I can. <laughs> but, yeah, thank God, you know, uh, good-looking young high school students. <laughs> there you go. I was going to say, because, you know, the, you, I don't know if you've considered the AARP magazine as an advertising vehicle, but, you know, it could be good. Uh, <laughs> You're like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, I'm in denial. You know, they start hunting you down, you know, way... <laughs> <laughs> Way yeah. too early. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I'm, not, I'm not ready for any of that stuff yet. So, oh, cool. you know, I, people go, hey, uh, do you qualify for a discount when I go? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't get carded anymore, Derek. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> No, I don't. No. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I wear a hat and real dim lighting. <laughs> well, you know, Derek, I'm looking forward to the day when I stop getting carded, but, you know, yeah, I think that's what uh, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Please. <laughs> You're looking like, oh, whatever. Uh, <laughs> All right, guys, let, let's jump into the show. Before we get started, I want to, my quick news is I want to welcome back our friends over at Drobo, or Data Robotics, as a sponsor of This Week in Photo. Sweet. So welcome, welcome, Drobo. Thank you for coming on. Uh, it's always cool to have a sponsor of the show who's, and I think all of our sponsors, are, or most of them are using our products that I use. So yeah. like Data Robotics, I on my desk right here is a Drobo Mini, and uh, over there are Drobos, you know, the Drobo 5D. So I actually use these. So when they come on as a sponsor, it's easy for me to talk about them. Yeah, so Drobo... I, I, I like my 5D. I, you like your 5D? Yeah, like right? It's 5D. fast. It's insane. It's, well, you got to put, put the little chip in it. You know, that's what makes it fast. That's right. Yeah, what, what is the chip, Derek, before we continue? It's a, it's, a, it's a RAM chip that sort of serves as a temporary memory. And so then you use that in combination with Thunderbolt, and uh, I can do real-world uh, aperture uh, and Lightroom work in real time with everything living on the Drobo. I wow. don't have to keep a local library. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. So that chip is super important. You need that chip. It is. It is. You know, and and it's you know I don't know. I mean, there's other solutions out there, and um, you know, I have. We all have choices of what to use, but over I don't know how many years. I've had a drobo. I have a, in my closet. You know these these houses. They put the the network connections and all the the terminations for mm -hmm. the cable and all that stuff in the closet, right? So I put a little table in there, and I have drobos sitting on the table, <laughs> and a Mac Mini serving up my iTunes library, and they've been running. And I put a UPS, an un uninterruptible power supply, in there. They've been literally running. I'm not even continue. I'm not even kidding. Continuously for about a year and a half. I think I've restarted the Mac to, you know, to do the software updates and update operating system and all that. But it's just running, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just always yeah. in there and it just works. It doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't fail. So I've got a I've got a generation Generation one Drobo sitting under the desk here that is still alive and kicking. Every place it just cranks, know. right? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, every so often I'll pull out an old hard drive and stick a new one in because I need more space and it just heals yeah. itself. But yeah, I mean, it's how old? You know, how old's Generation one now? It's like five, six years ago, I think. Yeah, right? I have so, one of those bad boys. US, the USB, yep, uh, just USB right two or one, or I forget. Yeah, like, Ron, you yeah. need to upgrade. No, oh, I know it's it's slow. I mean, it's slow as hell these days. I'm gonna do you a favor, Ron Brakeman, because you, you got know, a coupon code or something for me? I got a coupon code. Drobo's a sponsor. They're giving Twip, 
you specifically, Ron Brinkman. Don't tell anybody. But... All, right. All right. We'll keep this <laughs> a secret. Just this between you secret. and me and anybody else that might happen to be listening. Only, only you and the people that may be overhearing this conversation right. can can take advantage of this coupon code. <laughs> but TWIP50, T-W-I-P-5-0, and they'll knock 50 bucks off your order at Drobo. And this is for the 5D, uh, for the Drobo Mini. And I think another one in there, but yeah, definitely we'll put the Five put the maybe. specifics in the website on the, on the this week in photo website for this blog post <clears throat> or the show notes for this blog post. But check it out. And the cool thing is, so they send me over all this information to talk about on the show, but they didn't give me an end date. <laughs> so, nice. so use it right so now before it goes away. Is what all I'm right. saying. So because that end date may be, they may have said, yeah, we're only gonna do it for three days after you launch the show or the episode goes live or it may be a week or something. But if you're in the market for a Drobo and you want to, you know, $50 is a lot of money to you, which it is to a lot of people, um, you know, definitely use that code, TWIP50. Check it out. Yep. And then also um, a sponsor that joined the show as of last week, our friends over at FreshBooks, another service that I use to manage everything related to TWIP and my personal business, FreshBooks.com. I use them. And also Squarespace continues to be a sponsor of This Week in Photo. So we're, we're firing on all cylinders. And I want to thank personally thank all of our sponsors for uh, helping us keep the lights on and keep the show going. I mean, we're up to episode 347. We couldn't do it without these folks that are, you know, helping us, helping us row the boat forward. Hmm. And then finally, um, I am heading to WPPI in March. So the Wedding and Portrait Photographers International Conference in Las Vegas. So if you are a wedding or portrait photographer or are going to be in Vegas in early March, I think it's, I'll be there the third through the fifth. I'm doing a series of interviews from the Panasonic booth with a bunch of industry influencers and professionals and from all sorts of photography genres, not just Panasonic or Micro Four Thirds stuff, but all across the board. So if you're in town, definitely sw swing by the booth and say hi, or maybe I'll see you at one of the parties, you know, at WPPI. All right, uh, guys, before we jump into this crazy news, all this, these announcements that are coming out, I want to... Again, thank our sponsor for this episode of TWIP, our first sponsor, and that's the folks over at Squarespace.com. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. For a free trial and 10% off, go to Squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP2. And the new Squarespace metric app for iPhone and iPad allows you to check site stats like page views, unique visitors, and social media follows. And with the blog app, you can make text updates, tap and drag images to change layouts, and monitor comments on the go. Start your free trial today with no credit card required and start building your website now. Then when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code TWIP2 to get 10% off and to show your support for this week in photo. Squarespace, it's everything you need to create an exceptional website. Okay guys, let's jump in. So these are a few of the pieces of hardware that have dropped from the, the, the camera cloud into our laps. So there's rumors of a Nikon D4S, the Panasonic GH4, uh, or I think they're calling it like GH4K because the thing, the thing shoots 4K and it's going to be under $2,000. Pentax is talking about a medium format camera, DSLR, that's coming out. Um, and Sony 
I think it was yesterday as we record this, we're recording this Wednesday the 12th, so on the 11th of February, they announced the Sony A6000 camera. So <laughs> all this stuff is coming out now. So now Nikon Rumors has reported that the D4 has been con discontinued and is showing out of stock for that D4. I guess it's in anticipating anticipation of this D4S coming, but we haven't seen it yet. So some of the rumored features of this thing are it's got a new focus mode that can use 3D tracking in 9 or 21 point groups. It's got native ISO ranging from 125-600, improved time-lapse movie recording, white balance that can be fine-tuned very fine. It's got an adjustable LCD <laughs> color tone. I'm reading this here, and I'm like, I'm not reading all these numbers. Um, and 60 frames a second at 1080, uh, 1080p video. So, Ooh, I like that. Yeah. All right. So let's let's talk about all these. So, Derek, let's start with you. Pick any one of these: the Nikon D4S rumor, the G4, uh, GH4 from Panasonic that shoots 4K, medium format, Pentax, and then the Sony A6000. Which one of these cameras gets you the most excited? Well, uh, two of them: the GH4 for sure, mm -hmm. the Panasonic, and then I'm very intrigued by the Pentax. I, oh. I mean, the Pentax just sounds really cool to me. Really? Uh, well, because you, you're a Pentax fan, right? I remember that we did a I show do. on Pentax. I, and you... I do. I, I like Pentax a lot. And, uh, you know, the idea of having, you know, they, they do a good job with medium format cameras. I think they always have. You know, they, yeah. they're, they're very usable. You know, they're, you know, they're, they're nimble, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, so I, I like their stuff and I, and I like what, they, what they're doing. So I'm very curious about that camera. But the GH4 is going to be a lot more affordable. Uh, obviously, and I under two K, right? Yeah. yeah, and I already have a bunch of lenses for it, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated, uh, you know, by the camera, and of course they're, you know, they're touting it as, uh, you know, the 4K video where you get, you know, 4,000 pixels, you know, horizontally there, mm -hmm. but you know, this is uh, just the whole camera is, um, you know, buff. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a beefy, good-looking camera. I could see it being a very good uh, studio camera. Uh, you know, um, you know where you're just you know you know just working with it day in and day out. Yeah. It, it just feels, uh, it just looks dynamite. And and you know I've got you know I have both Olympus and Panasonic lenses uh, for it, so you know I'm in good shape that way also. Yeah, yeah, and the 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 GH. Four, I keep wanting to say G7, but the GH4 mm -hmm. is built on the same. It looks identical, and I haven't held one yet, but it looks identical from the pictures to the GH3, right? Yeah, so they made a couple similar. of little tweaks to it, mm -hmm. and then inside is all where all the magic happened, which I think is a really smart move. Why reinvent a, a proven housing when just use the same housing and make it better inside, right? Well, you know, they're what they're trying. I think what Panasonic is is doing a good job of, and I think for that fact, I think Olympus is also. You know, they're both part of the Micro Four Thirds system. Uh, you know, they're trying to create a distinctive body. You know, so for mm -hmm. people that maybe don't like uh, the EM1, or you know, or maybe they're not maybe. Uh, you know the the Panasonic uh, the small guy what is it the GM one yeah um, oh. yeah yeah, yeah. Or, you I'm know or, for that you camera know, you know they're they're yeah you know they I think they're really trying to create something that's distinctive and maybe uh, sings to people that like uh, you know like a, a Nikon uh, you know a serious Nikon or a serious Canon camera it has that sort of feel it has that kind of grip has that kind of look. 
Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't look like the other mirrorless cameras. And so I think, you know, they're, they're trying to create something distinctive here that for a certain uh, segment of the population. Yeah. I mean, the other, the other piece of that, uh, Ron, I want to get your thoughts on this too, but the other piece of that, the, this list is Sony with their A6000. So this is, this is an EVF camera, so electronic viewfinder camera. It's got, it's, it's one of those all-in-one sort of cameras, right? So, and it's got the um, 179 phase detection points on it on the sensor. I mean, we'll, we'll link over to the page so you can check it out. And I was talking to some folks at Sony today to see if I could get a demo unit in because I want to give it to Doug K so he can put it through its paces. And unfortunately, they said, no, you can't get it right now. You can get it at the end of March. And I'm like, <laughs> in the March, there'll be like 30 other cameras out. <laughs> I need it right now. Well, I mean, there's enough. There's another camera that isn't even on our list, the Canon, the G1X, you know, Mark II. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. was was announced today, too. So, I mean, that's, uh, again, all-in-one camera. Up. Nice, nice big sensor. Uh, yeah. And they and they took away the optical viewfinder on it. Uh, so now you just use the LCD or you can buy an accessory, uh, you know, electronic viewfinder. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's busy right now. Well, you know, there's trade shows going on uh, outside of the U.S. Right. So, you know, that, that's why we're getting, uh, you know... Wait, wait, now. wait. You mean there's a world outside of the United States of America? There is. There <laughs> really? Is. Yes. And you know I what? heard a rumor that there were people outside of our shores. And they like photography, I hear. And that. they like photography, yeah. They're in many cases, much smarter than we are. Yeah. So, yeah. Ron, Ron Brinkman, uh, what about you? So, looking at, looking at this list, let me read down the list again. So, Nikon D4S, Yawn. the Panasonic GH4 that shoots 4K, the Pentax medium format, and the Sony all-in-one A6000. Which one gets you all excited? Yeah, it's, it's funny how much of... Uh, Sort of a yawn that the Nikon is. I think to a lot of people at this point. Uh, I mean, just looking I didn't at the, say anything. I didn't. <laughs> just looking at. I, I'm, I mean, it's you know, if you are a dyed-in-the-wool Nikon shooter, I'm sure this is a nice little upgrade. But you look at the spec sheet, and there's nothing on there that even makes you say, "Wow." Yeah. You know, I mean, it's funny that the improved time-lapse movie recording is even in that list. It's like, I, I, I mean, I. I to be fair, I am amazed that these cameras haven't had time-lapse recording built in from, from years ago because mm -hmm. it's such a stupid, simple thing to do. And, you know, yet my, my, you know, my Canon that I moved away from didn't have it either. And it's just so sensible. I mean, the, the, the new Olympus has it. It's just so simple to set up. So but the fact that that's a feature you put on, on a list of a high-end camera surprises me. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's just, you know, 60 frame per second, uh, 1080p. It's almost like you have to have that these days. So... You know, it, it doesn't feel like it's breaking any grounds. You know, I remember when the, the Nikons were coming out a few years ago, and you know, they were really groundbreaking in terms of you know, low ISO performance. Right, right. May, you know, maybe this has this. You can't really tell from, you know, it says it has a range of up to 25.6, but you don't really know what that means. So, uh, I don't know. Yeah, for me, the Nikon is sort of a not interesting at all. I, yeah, I would put the Panasonic as, as the most interesting thing there. The fact that yeah. 4K is is, you know... At the point now where you 4K is a standard you can shoot at and and use, uh, you know anybody that does stock photography or stock stock videography, I guess, should be running out to get this because there's probably a, a void in uh, the amount of good 4K yeah. material there is out there. So with an easy with an easy entry point, at so I mean Panasonic hasn't released the price yet, but mm -hmm. the rumor is it's going to be under two thousand dollars, which yeah. is yeah. 
Crazy. Although what, what they've done is is interesting in that the uh, you know a full-on system they have a big docking bay sort of you know sort of like a, a battery grip only it's much more than that that really adds a lot of the extra capabilities that you would probably want as a professional shooter you know like XLR inputs and, and a variety of other stuff so it's a little deceiving I'm not sure how many people that are really using this as a movie camera. Uh, would be able to get the basic system without getting that that docking bear. Would want it without that. But even so, it's still at a very low price point. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? You know what I'll tell you. My the thing got me excited about the GH4. Now I want to shoot 4K. <clears throat> I don't think that I'm ready for. I mean, there's some things that I want to use 4K for, like making animated portraits with Flixel and all that sort of thing. But I'm not an expert at that yet. So when I saw the new GH4K come out, I was like, you know what? Maybe the price of the GH3 is going to drop down. <laughs> I can I can scoop up a couple of those for you know much less now. So that's what was going on in my head. It's, it's very true. You know, it'll make the other stuff come down. And you know, I think 4K 4K is an interesting sort of. I'm sure a lot of people look at that and like, well, what's the point of shooting 4K since most you know you can hardly find places that will play that right now. But that's going to change rapidly. I, I believe Netflix actually just announced that um, some of their new Series are going to stream at 4K, so if oh, you have a cool. monitor that can support it, you know, and that's really where you're going to see this. You know, it's yeah. going to be well, YouTube the is online well. streaming. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So you know, it's it, it's nice, and if you've got a really big projection TV, you're going to see a difference on, on 4K. And the other thing that something like 4K gives you is just a lot of flexibility in post to to crop in and do, you know, sort of reframing after the fact and not lose any resolution. Well, yeah, yeah you can shoot it. Yeah, yeah, you shoot a little bit wider yeah. now that you've got coverage. I mean, with that 4,000 pixels wide, what does that result in a what eight eight megabyte image, right? Or yeah, right? I mean, roughly an eight megabyte image. That's a pretty good size frame pulled from video, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, your frame grabs even are you know uh, are yeah. are going to be pretty good. So yep, yeah. it's true. Yeah, I mean, you could. I mean, yeah, like we talked about years ago. The, when we when we were talking about the convergence of still and video and all that stuff and how one day people would be able to pull frames from video and would obsolete still photographers it looks <laughs> are we moving in that direction now with this 4K <laughs> stuff where someone's gonna just shoot the entire wedding on 4K video and then go in and pull stills to build an album from well, is that coming it's interesting huh it's, yeah I mean I why mean, not <laughs> I mean I, you know, you pull a frame and then you have to sample it down before you put it online. I mean, exactly, it's too big. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. See, these so. days, like the days, remember, you guys remember the Sony Mavica? You remember those? Oh, gosh. With the oh, floppy yeah. disk, the floppy oh, yeah, disk yeah. cameras? Sure. I had one of those. I can't find it. I was looking for it the other day. But you, it was like 600, it was 640 by 480 it recorded each yep. still. And I was like amazed with that. I mean, I had boxes of floppy. camera too. It was 640 by 480. I had an Olympus, and it was just like, yep. Yeah. And that yeah. was great. And now we're at 4K. I mean, yeah. It's it's crazy. And so. you know, we're we're still relatively young. We still have time. Oh, it's, <laughs> There's it's still gonna, more yep. innovation to come. Yeah. Crazy. Absolutely. So Ron, I'll, I'll so both of you guys out of all these cameras. I mean, I know there's other ones that aren't on this list, but the D4S, Panasonic GH4K, the Pentax, and the Sony A6000. Of these, which one would you buy today? So, listeners that are that are, that are li watching and listening to this, which one of these should they just pop over right now and start reading specs on? Go ahead, Derek. I go, I, I go for the GH4. Yeah, Panasonic GH4 from Derek. Yeah, I think I would too. It's um, you know, the the Sony is is 
interesting to me just because, you know, as of uh, a month and a half ago or something, I made the decision to go to a mirrorless system, yeah. and, and the hard decision was, do I go Sony or do I go Micro Four Thirds? You know, that was really the thing that I was going back and forth on. Yeah. Um, you know, Sony, you can get a full-frame system, and I ultimately just decided for mostly for, you know, getting smaller lenses and a much better selection of lenses currently that I would go with the Micro Four Thirds. Yeah. But, you know, Sony is, is, is really killing it with some of this stuff. This, this A6000 is kind of their, is a, is a mid-range camera for their, for their uh, mirrorless system, so it's below the, the current offerings in some ways. But, you know, they claim the fastest autofocus of any mirrorless system out there. And uh, so, yeah, it's still going to be a horse race. So that's an interesting one to me. But, you know, since I've made the decision to go micro four-thirds to GH4s would be the obvious one I would lust after at this point. Right, you can use your you can use your lenses. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna dive into Sony um, later in the show. You know, talk about what's the shakeup that happened at Sony. I think it was what last week or earlier this week. Yeah. So we're gonna talk about that and maybe speculate and hypothesize on what's happening at the company and where where it's gonna go. I know a lot of photographers that are like Doug K, for example, is in love. I think he's still on, he's on like a three week long honeymoon with his A7. He loves it. <laughs> so, so what's gonna happen? You know, a lot of people want to know what's gonna happen at Sony. There is a lot of shakeup over there. So we'll talk about that. All right, guys, before we continue with the show and jump into story number two, I want to thank our second sponsor for this episode of This Week in Photo, and that's our friends over at FreshBooks.com. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. Are you still using Word or Excel to create invoices? Do you use a shoebox of receipts to keep track of your expenses? Well, you can save time and get paid faster with FreshBooks, the easiest way to send invoices, manage expenses, and track your time. FreshBooks is the simple cloud accounting solution that's helping thousands of new entrepreneurs and small business owners just like you save time billing and get paid faster. With FreshBooks, you can easily create invoices online, capture and track expenses on the go, and get real-time business reports with a few simple clicks. You can try FreshBooks for free. Sign up free today at GetFreshBooks.com. And here's the delicious part of what FreshBooks is doing for This Week in Photo listeners. Every day, they're giving away one birthday cake to someone who signs up for a new account from TWIP. For your chance to eat cake, enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section when signing up to your new account at GetFreshBooks.com. With FreshBooks, every day could be your birthday. Sign up again at GetFreshBooks.com. All right, guys, story number two is about a friend of mine that I used to work with side by side over at Adobe Mr. John Knack. So John Knack was the principal product manager for Photoshop. And he was there at Adobe for 14 plus years. And he, he announced last week or earlier this week that uh, he decided that he was going to be leaving and moving himself and his brains over to Google's digital photography team. So, which is, that's huge. Because John, John is yeah. kind of like, like, I don't know, artwork on the wall at Adobe. He's like <laughs> part of the DNA of Adobe being like, surgically removed and planted over at Google. So, like, Ron, when, when you saw this, I mean, does this, is this just like a career move for John? They threw, like, buckets of cash at him, and now he's over there? Or is this a, more of a harbinger of, like, okay, Google is taking this digital imaging and digital photography thing seriously and really going after Adobe's core competencies? What do you think? I, I you know, 
I can't imagine spending 14 years at a company in general. Um, yeah, it's a long time. Know, having worked on software, the thing with software is, you know, you just start building up legacy after legacy, and, and you get to the point where it's just, like, so difficult to change things. Um, and, you know, I mean, especially, there's no product out there that I have more of a love-hate relationship with than Photoshop. I mean, yeah. and, and the legacy interface on that and the, and the cruft that's built up and how painful it is to do stuff in it, in so many ways, and especially painful to discover stuff, I could certainly understand the desire to be like, I want to dive into something completely new mm -hmm. and not have to deal with, with all the legacy and all the you know stuff that's built up for you know, 15 years plus. So I can you know I can understand anybody wanting to do that. But I think it does show that you know the world is changing, and it certainly shows that Google has a major commitment to the photo space and understanding it. And and you know Google's a great place to work at. So yeah. I. Not doesn't surprise me, and I don't think it necessarily speaks to Adobe losing their mojo or having problems. There's a lot of you know really great people at Adobe still, also, but you know I think it's probably a combo of uh, uh, somebody just deciding it was time for a change and Google being aggressive. And you know I look at this stuff, and you look at Google, and I mean we're on Hangouts now recording this, so there's Hangouts, there's Google Glass, which people love or hate, there's you know, the Google barges. I just heard the other day that Google purchased Moffett Field here <laughs> in the Bay Area. They're, like, placing bets and doing all this stuff. Who knows what's going on inside the company? But clearly they're not sitting still on their pile of cash like yep. some other companies we know that, <laughs> <laughs> that I'm using my Apple to record this podcast on. But they're, they're, they're making changes in the industry. They're doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Conversely, I look at Adobe... And I don't see, I mean, I remember, you guys remember back in the day when the different releases of Photoshop would come out and it'd be like, you know, the world would change because we got all these different new features and stuff in there. But we don't see that anymore, especially with Creative Cloud because the, the changes come out iteratively. I mean, what's what's going, like, Derek, what do you think about that? I mean, is it, is is the heyday, to put a fine point on it, is the heyday of Adobe and people waiting on pins and needles for the next big software release, is that over and the time of the cloud-based digital imaging photographer is coming to fruition with Google, and this this move by John Knack over there is kind of an indication of that coming true. Uh, I think a little bit. I mean, you know, I'm with Ron. I, I'm excited for John, and you know, and I, and I think that this is a move that's just going to you know make his day a little bit more interesting right now. Yeah. You know, well, and make his commute longer because I know he lives he lived yeah. relatively close to Adobe. Now yeah. he's got to go all the way up to Mountain View. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, you know, with with the increase in salary, it's probably time to buy a new house for him too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he negotiated he, for a helicopter. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he could ride one of those buses, you know. That's um, true. Uh, but uh but anyway, I I think, you know, the the cloud has changed things a lot and um it does make uh, releases uh, a lot less uh, exciting, Frederick. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I think you're right about it. And I mean, this has been happening. <laughs> I'll bring up one of your favorite saws. I mean, this has been happening with uh, Aperture for some time now since the See? Mac. See, I didn't say anything about. Wait, yeah, what is that? You know, but what is I mean, that? I mean, they. Uh, you know, what they software just, is that, Derek? I never. I yeah, forgot about it. They just, <laughs> they, they just roll out changes uh, when they're, you know, when they when they need to, and you know, upgrade the raw profiles and all that, and. And now with Mavericks, you know, you, you basically don't even know when it happened. I mean, right. it just sort of happens. And, uh, you know, so there's no ceremony there at all. And I think Creative Cloud, uh, you know, has a, a bit of that uh, also uh, going on. I mean, are we going to, 
is there going to be release numbers with Photoshop now, or is it just going to be kind of you know CC, you know, just rolling along, uh, you know, being updated? Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that's a change, and it's just a change that we should all just sort of get comfortable with, and you know, pick pick the horses we want to ride, and you know, just you know, it's sort of like those, you know, when you do those horse stable things, you know, and you get out out so far, and then the horse says it's time to go back, <laughs> and it doesn't really make any difference what you're doing. Right. Uh, he's going to take you back to the barn, you know. Yeah. And uh, you know that's that's kind of what's going on with software right now. It, it's not as exciting, but you know it's 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 getting the job done. It's it's a tool that we need. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I would argue that it is exciting because there's so many other players in the space now, and in in a world where we thought before, where like personally, I mean, and I've worked at Adobe, and I I and before I worked at Adobe, I could not imagine a world that didn't have Adobe software in it. Uh, mm -hmm. But now I'm seeing cracks in that with like Google, you know, doing all their automated things, like their auto awesome things that they're doing, at least on the consumer photography side for now, where, you know, they're basically the point and shoot photographer. If you're if you're in the Google ecosystem and you're allowing your stuff to be auto uploaded from your phone and all that, it's like taking care of all that brain stuff for you on in the cloud, and there's no like, oh yeah, here's my digital camera. They got to upload into Photoshop Elements, make some changes, and then maybe one day I'll share them out. It's already there. I mean, it's, well, it's those kind of things. I think that's a good point. You know, and what I kind of like about it right now is that I'm thinking about my photography and not the darn software. You know, I yeah. mean, yeah. I sort of like not having to you know to learn you know 50 new things you know you know once a year. Uh, I like sort of like understanding the tools that I have and then thinking about taking pictures instead of, oh, God, i got to learn a new version of this or a new version of that. Mm -hmm. And just having these changes is sort of kind of, you know, slip in here and there. So for me, I I'm loving it because I'm, I like thinking about my camera, my pictures, you know, where I'm going to go and, and not learning a new version of software. So uh, yeah. it's, hurt, it's, hurt, it's hurt my revenue streams, obviously. You know, right. teaching software is... Uh, you know, not what it used to be for me. No, no, Ron Brinkman, let me throw it. Let me throw it at you and put a different spin on it. And I'm going to put you on the spot here, as I've been known to do from time to time. Um, could Adobe be an acquisition target for either Apple or Google in the coming months? Yeah, I think they could. It's it would probably be there. I think they're very. Everybody's always talking about you know Apple should buy somebody, and I and I kind of feel like there are very few companies that Apple really should buy because the the act of integrating a company is just so painful, and most of the time you don't want half the employees anyway. Yeah. And um, but I actually think Adobe might be one of those companies that would make sense to be acquired by Apple. Right. Having said that. Adobe is kind of driving towards, at this point, driving towards the professional market, and Apple is absolutely not doing that. So I, I don't know. I guess I couldn't really see it just because of that. I think that, you know, better to just get the people at Adobe that know how some of these uh, algorithms work, where Apple's still a little bit shy, and uh, not get the whole company and the baggies that goes with it. So I don't know. Now, what, what do you what do you think about workflow wise? Like looking, like I was mentioning earlier. The, the whole idea of the cloud-based workflow that Google's obviously betting on with, with the acquisition of Nick and Google Plus Photos. And, I mean, they even rolled out, and we have in the notes here, they rolled out new features this week that to the photo editor piece of Google Plus Photos, including HDR scape and a new new Zoom feature. So they're, they're it, you know, from 
for, at least from my layman's outside perspective, it looks like they're doubling down on photos and it's not going away, you know, like some things. Now, Ron, looking at that and looking at what Google's doing and that, that sort of cloud-based model versus the bits on your disk or even the subscription-based model with CC, what what's the right way to go? Like if you're placing bets and you had... You had you had ten grand or fifty grand to invest on one of these companies. Where would you drop it? Well, I would definitely drop it on Google, not on Adobe. Mm. Um, you know, Adobe Adobe doesn't have a growth path the way Google does, and and you know they're not targeting a larger market. They're I I think they're going to continue to get pushed over to being the professional you know, solution and targeting the professionals, but they're going to have a really hard time to compete at the. Uh, sort of the consumer level where people will generally want to just say, well, why would I need to have a separate app or something, you know, a separate app and do this locally? But it's going to be a while yet before, I mean, the bandwidth is still an issue. And as, you know, you start shooting 4K video, you're not going to be able to upload that and edit it in in real time. You know, I'm I'm chasing, you know, when can I get myself a Thunderbolt uh, connection to a disk array kind of thing? So, you know, it's going to be a while yet, but... I think we're unique cases, and most people don't need that kind of stuff. They shoot video on their iPhone, and they want to be able to edit quickly. And if there's a you know something that gives me a HDR kind of look to something, which is kind of amusing to me that the term HDR has migrated from being a data storage uh, uh, method to now being a, a look, like a filter, basically. <laughs> it's a style. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's it's a you know it's an Instagram filter, basically. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'll tell you, you you touch on a on a on a nerve for me there, and that's, you know, I'm I'm a subscriber to Comcast here in Northern California, which means you know I have internet some of the time, <laughs> and there's a whole cloud-based world that everything seems to be pointing towards just fails miserably. I mean, my house here. I mean, I've got Apple TVs in some rooms, and I've got Netflix running. You know, so got to watch Netflix on the TV here. I've got Nest that connects to the network to like control the environment. I'm doing the podcast through the internet here. When the internet goes away, I'm kind of like I feel like I need to rub sticks together or something. (laughs) It's just over. I can't do anything. You know, I don't know. I mean, is that that's the missing link, right, Derek? I mean. Yeah. If, if when the internet goes, and if it goes down, which it does from time to time, the people that are relying on the cloud for their 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 lie their their livelihoods, it just goes away, right? Well, I mean, where I really notice is when I travel, right? Yeah, when that I, yeah. When I travel, I need to have a plan A, a plan B, and a plan C, and then a backup for plan C. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, you know the, that's where I really notice how much I depend on the internet or, or connectivity. Uh, I I can't I can't make a living uh, mm-hmm. you know when when that stuff goes down. So I have to have all these different uh, you know uh, plans because you know Lord knows you can't depend on a. Ho- I mean you think your stuff is bad, obviously. You know how hotel internet is. Oh, hotel Wi-Fi. Hotel yeah. Wi-Fi is like like public library Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> it is, and especially you know from 9 p.m. on, you know, it's just like the worst. So yeah. uh, maybe if you get up at four in the morning, uh, you can get something going on there. So uh, yeah, I mean, in things that hinge on this, um, you know, that require bandwidth, especially. Mm-hmm. You know, now we're not talking about a blog post here, but things that require bandwidth. They can be compromised so fast, and yeah. uh, just really just you know mess up your day. Yeah. So yeah, we're not there yet. We're we're not there yet. On, on it's this. not it's not to the point where 
where where bandwidth or high speed internet is like electricity, where you no. just plug no. in, you know it's going to work every single time. You don't even yeah. think about it or turn the water on. You know water is going to come out of there if you turn this thing. You know, yeah. Internet is not quite there yet. <laughs> not even close. It to needs there. to be, but yeah, it's not. Not even close to there. No. Yeah, not even close. Not even no. close. No. All right, guys, before we get to our, our last story, again, I want to thank our newest sponsor to This Week in Photo, and that's the folks over at Drobo. Thank you, Drobo, for coming on. We appreciate it. Uh, we're, we're all big fans of your products, but uh, here's a little bit about Drobo. This episode of TWIP is brought to you by Drobo. Drobos are blazingly fast, high-capacity hard drives that are built on new technology designed for high-performance media editing. The Drobo 5D sports both Thunderbolt and USB 3 interfaces, while the 5N transfers files using gigabit Ethernet on your network. Each has multi-core CPUs and a whole lot more going on under the hood. And the super cool Drobo Mini, my favorite, is designed for portability. It weighs less than three pounds and also sports Thunderbolt and USB 3 interfaces. And it also has an accelerator card that boosts performance when using applications like Adobe Lightroom, Aperture, and iPhoto. And for TWIP listeners, Drobo is knocking $50 off the price of either of these two units. Just enter the code TWIP50 on checkout at drobostore.com. Okay, last story that we're going to hit on here is Sony, our friends over at Sony. So the week, what was it? Not last week, either last week or the week before last, I saw this thing come across the wire that Sony, Sony's stock had been dropped to junk status, right? So the, the, it was downgraded to junk status by Moody's, who... Uh, you know, it, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm not a stock guy, so I don't know what that means, but I know the word junk can't be good. <laughs> not good. It's not good. And then last week, they laid off 5,000 employees. They exited the PC business. So the Vio business, they sold to Lenovo, who we also know Lenovo bought ThinkPad from IBM. So now they own Vio and ThinkPad. And, and they also now. And what's that? Motorola now, too. They and Motorola, Motorola from, right? Google. from Google. So they now... Yeah. Yeah. Lenovo is like this monster that's like God, it's Pac-Man over there. Yeah. Uh, and then Sony also spun off its TV business. So what does all this mean, guys? I mean, it's you know, <laughs> there's changes happening over there. Might so put a, or again, putting a fine point on it from a, a this week in photo perspective. When you look at this and you look at all these changes that are happening at Sony, and then you overlay on that the the fact that Sony's coming on strong in the digital imaging space with the A7, the A7R, this new this new camera that we talked about earlier. Um, you know they've got a music video camera, this little thing that's awesome that I use all the time. They've got a lot of cool products out there. They're clearly not dying in the digital imaging space. But then you look at it from an investment standpoint, and I'm like, five thousand employees, no more PC business, spinning off the TV business. What's happening, Ron? What, what's happening at Sony? Is it a safe play? If I want to, if I'm the guy that's like, okay, I want to buy an A7, should I go buy the A7 right now, considering all this stuff that's happening at Sony? Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily let this affect my decision on what camera to buy, but uh, you know, Sony has got the problem that a lot of these companies have, in that there's extreme pressure, downward price pressure on all consumer electronics. And unless you're Apple, where you've just put a stake in the ground and said, you know, we are not going to chase the price down. We're we're going to, you know, set a, set a price that's very profitable for the, for us, and we're just going to compete on features. Unless you do that, 
you know, you're, you're chasing something that is just going to continue downward and it's really hard to be profitable. So I think what Sony has decided they have to do is sort of get out of the markets where they don't want to be competing purely on price. And it smells to me like they've sort of made the decision that cameras are going to be something where they're going to compete in terms of quality and features, which is great, you know, because it's it's a market where you can distinguish yourself and do that, whereas in televisions, it's much harder. It's such a, you know, television is a very simple device. You, you have a signal coming in and you got to make it look pretty. Yeah. Uh, and, and price is such an issue there because, you know, there's not a lot to it. Whereas the camera, you know, there's a lot you can do to distinguish yourself. And it feels like they've made the decision that that's, that's where they, you know, can, can do that and not have to be chasing price. So, you know, I, it's going to be interesting to see what other pieces of the market they may decide they have to get out of. Um, I've always wondered, you know, their whole movie business, is that really profitable or something they want to be in? So, I don't know. But I think the camera part of it is probably the kind of thing where they put the stake in their own. But you never know. You know, some somebody at the top of the food chain at Sony is is making hard decisions, and they could just say, you know what, this isn't where we want to be strategically, so let it go. But I don't yeah. know. I, I, like I, hope, it. I hope there's that amount of thought going into it. Or it could be someone at the top of the food chain doing like this, you know, and throwing darts at a dartboard. Uh, <laughs> true. Know? It's like, you know what? <clears throat> Let's get rid of TVs. I don't know. That's that's got to go. I don't know. Derek, what do you think? I love Sony. I mean, I have a Sony TV in front of me right here. I got Sony cameras. I mean, I've got Sony all over the place. Yeah. And I grew up with Sony. You know, I got I got this thing right here. Look at this. I got a Sony little speaker thing right here that I use for <laughs> conference calls. <laughs> and, you know, they're they're integrated into my life, much like Apple is integrated into my life. Yeah. And then I see this stuff, and I'm like, okay, w- what's happening? Is this just sign of the times, Sony's just morphing into something new that makes sense for 2014 and beyond, or is it that Sony is a, a relic and a dinosaur and it's time for those kinds of consumer electronic companies to start dissipating and going away? What do, what do you think? Well, I, I think you'll grow old with Sony too, so I, I mean, I think it's it's a great brand. And too late for that. It's too yeah, late for they're, they're going to be around <laughs> for a long time. Uh, you know, they've had the luxury of being all over the map. You yeah. know, and you know, it's, it's basically whatever interests them. You know, they would they would dabble in, and I, I think for some of the reasons that Ron was talking about, they they've just got to focus now. Uh, they've got to focus on on the business lines and on the revenue streams that are that are good for them and that are good for their brand, and let go of stuff. And certainly, letting go of uh, you know. Uh, the laptop line is, I think, was a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, get out of that business. You know, that's it's it's um it's not gonna it's just gonna pull them down. And there's uh, I'm sure there's dozens of other things that they're gonna get out of too. But you know, photography isn't gonna be one of them. They're gonna yeah. they're gonna stick with photography. I mean, I think they're doing a great job in photography. I think they're the ones. Uh, they're as crushing much as anyone, it. And to, to wor- yeah, to, to worry about yeah. right now if you're the other guys. So, uh, you know, uh, I wouldn't hesitate at all buying a, an A7 or, uh, or any Sony uh, a product in digital imaging. I mean, you know, Sony, I'm sure Sony has more money than we, any of us combined will ever see, right? So they're, mm-hmm. they're not going away anytime soon. No. But I'll tell you, one of the concerns as a consumer that I have are historically looking at Sony and some of the you know, the products or technologies that they've released and thrown against the wall and then abandoned, right? Oh, they so, do wacky, well, they do wacky things. I mean, they... Yeah, they I mean, remember a track I mean, yeah, there's like, oh. MP3 came out, everybody likes it, Sony's like, we're going to do a track It's our own format. And then 
CF and SD came out, and we're going to do memory stick. You yeah. Know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. No, Don't they, get me started on Betamax and VHS. You know, <laughs> it's like... you know they, they, they do wacky things. It's, 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 part of, uh, it's part of what they do. But, you know, now in this market, they're going to have to do fewer wacky things. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're, they're going to have to be focused. And, I mean, we saw this even when Steve Jobs came back to Apple. First thing he did was... He, you know, he he consolidated the product line. He said, "You got, we've got too many products. We're all over the map. Yeah. We need to focus on the stuff that's that's going to move us forward." And I and I think that that's what they're doing too. And but you know, I, I'm going to miss some of if if that's a trend for Sony, which I think it is, I'm going to miss some of their wacky stuff because you know they do crazy. I mean, even what they're doing in photography, what they did with the A7, you know, and what they did with the RX1, and you yeah. know. This is cool stuff. It's I mean, amazing it, it, stuff. It, yeah. And it takes someone like a Sony to, you know, that has the, uh, you know, that has the, uh, you know, the 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 thing. I I, I don't want I mean, to like get. A, yeah. There, if Sony went away, if Sony went away next week and they announced that they're shutting the company down, laying off all the employees, what would we have? I mean, because Nikon and Canon aren't innovating. Anything. Oh God! I mean, yeah. We'd be screwed if Sony went away. You know. For sure. I mean, you know, the the fun companies right now for me are Sony, Panasonic, Olympus, uh, Pentax. You know. Yeah. I like what these guys are doing. They're, I mean, I, you know, they're not young guns, but they certainly are a lot more exciting than. You know, our our two uh, our two standards there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, speaking of like old Sony technology, I remember. I don't know, I'm going to sound like a geek when I say this, but I really, <laughs> really wanted an Ibo. You guys remember that? <laughs> you remember the little dog? robotic dog? Yeah, yeah. That would walk around and act like a real dog? I wanted yeah. that dog so bad. And now they've got dogs that are doing Tai Chi, or not dogs, but like robotic androids that are doing Tai Chi and all that kind of stuff, but... I don't know. And, and and I want them to still keep doing stuff like that. They're just they're probably going to have to do it in a narrower window, but you know, yeah, less R&D budget. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still going to depend on them to 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 push the envelope because, you know, that's what they do and and they do it really well. Yeah. Yeah. Ron, any final words on Sony? No, I'm I I think it will be interesting to see where this all goes, but as long as they're doing as long as they keep chasing sort of places where they can innovate, then I think they'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. All right. We'll keep our eyes on Sony. Clearly, I think the bottom line is Sony's not going anywhere. Um, and hopefully these changes that they're making are healthy changes. And yeah. hopefully the company will survive for the next 10, 20, 30 years and keep giving us really cool stuff and all these cool cameras. I mean, you, you even imagine being a company big enough to be able to lay off 5,000 people, you know. Yeah. You know, that's, I mean, that, that's crazy stuff. I mean, it's sort of like, you know, when they say, okay, this car, you can have a $30,000 discount. Well, any car that has a $30,000 discount, I can't afford, you know. What I mean? And, you know, so, you know, they're, they're, they're bigger than big. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're a good size. They're a, they're a yeah. superpower consumer electronics yeah. company. All right, guys, let's quickly run through the listener Q&A. We've got one question. Uh, this, is, this is the segment where our listeners pose a question to you guys. And this, this week's question is from uh, Butch Gibson comes in from our Google Plus community page. He says, he's looking for some software that will allow him to create contact sheets, but the but with the option to add more information to describe each image. He's attempting to write a few sentences about each, Im each image. You guys have any thoughts or suggestions? Derek, you want to take it first? Ah, uh, contact sheet. What is Remember those? <laughs> uh, I, I have a question for him, which is, you know, what is he doing with these? I'd be fascinated to know. Yeah. Um, 
But no, have you heard I, of Smug Mug or Zinfolio? Right? Yeah, I, um, I, I don't know. I mean, I know they're, you know, in Lightroom, Aperture, and so forth, they have the ability to, to create contact sheets, and you can add a certain amount of metadata to them. Uh, you know, that, that's built into a lot of our standard software, but I don't know of any specific software. Hopefully, you know, Ron has some ideas there. I don't. No, I mean, my, I had the same reaction when I read that. I was like, I don't really know what the use case is these days. You know, how, how many people are looking for, like, especially a printed contact sheet? Uh, I guess, you know, there's probably some old-school clients out there that would do that. I mean, if I had to do this, I would probably end up using something like OmniGraffle to drop a whole bunch of uh, images into a, to a quick layout and add some text on top of it or something like that. But, I mean, I, I'm so wired into OmniGraffle, I, I find myself using it for everything. Yeah. Uh, that's a Mac-only solution. Uh, just a really nice kind of layout, but you know, even something like you could almost do it in something like uh, Keynote or something too, for that matter. Mm -hmm. But I just, yeah, I just don't know what the use case is these days. Uh, it, so we'll, it almost... we'll throw it back. We'll throw it back to Butch. And Butch, we we need a use case. So write us. Yeah, go go to the thisweekinphoto.com site and enter a comment, or go to the contact us area. Send us a comment and let us know what the use case is. For these uh, these contact sheets with a paragraph of text next to them, and we won't yeah, because it. at this point, you know, it's sort of he's asked, you know, how should I do this, and our answer is don't do that. So right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the answer is yeah, yeah, doctor, it hurts don't when do I do this. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. All right, guys, let's jump into the picks of the week. This is a I've been waiting on this because I want to know what you guys are going to recommend. Um, this is the segment where you guys can recommend something to the This Week in Photo audience. Ron Brinkman, you haven't been, in, been on in the longest amount of time. And this is the married version of Ron Brinkman. So, <laughs> Ron, so my picks are going to change dramatically. I'm your, sure. your picks are going to be somewhat, uh, you know, democratic now. So man, I could I, I could do so many picks right now. Normally, you know, we're scrambling before uh, before a show to think of what what my picks are going to be. But having just bought a whole new camera system and actually bought a little waterproof camera as well nice. and everything, I could nice. I could do tons of picks. But I'm actually going to pick an iPad app. Um, it's called Storehouse and. Mm -hmm. uh, Really pretty little app. It's uh, it's from a guy, I mean, a group of guys, but the one I know in particular is a guy I worked with at Apple. He's a designer at Apple um, named Mark Cuano. And uh, he went off with a couple buddies to do this. Um, it's almost hard to categorize it. I guess you would call it a publishing platform for sort of personal stories. It's, it's kind of that niche space where, which previously probably would have been taken up by doing a blog or something like that. You know, mm -hmm. where previously you would have the urge to say, I want to write a story. Um, that is very media rich uh, that I can share with people about whatever topic I'm passionate about. Uh, and instead of it being a something like a WordPress, what it is is an iPad app that just is really slick, easy to take video and and photos uh, and put surrounding text around it. And then there's a whole ecosystem of sharing those things. You can follow people who have, are producing interesting content. Um, no surprise, he was an Apple designer, so everything looks really nice and, yeah. and sweet. Um, free app, and uh, it's the kind of thing I, I, I beta tested it. Uh, I haven't, so all, like all the content that I sort of put together while I was beta testing disappeared whenever the they went live on it. So I haven't had a chance to dive back in and, and start publishing some stuff in it. But it's um, it's so easy to use, and, and there's some really cool content in there. You can just download the app; it's free on your iPad, and just start poking around and seeing some of the content. There's it's you know anything you can imagine for people doing uh, different kind of posts or, or Stories about yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a storytelling. It's a yeah. it, it kind of brings the the. I mean, like we look at photos and it's like, okay, I'm going to take a photo, and that photo that photo is going to tell the the story. But 
true photojournalism in its purest form is a series of photos that illustrate a story and kind of take you through and into that story from the photographers or the photojournalist standpoint. And this is what they're kind of do. they're they're doing, but with wrapped in this beautiful UI that allows you to add. I think you can add motion. You can add videos in there yeah, as well absolutely. as stills and. And it's just, yeah, it's very cool. And I'm, I'm actually going to interview the CEO, the founder, in a couple of weeks. And okay. uh, we'll, we'll hear what he has to yeah. say. Yeah. Yep. yep. That's good. So, yeah, it's uh, just just Google Storehouse on the App Store and uh, and grab a copy. Awesome. Cool. Anything else you want to highlight? Uh, like I said, I'll put the, my uh, wedding photographer and videographer, Sealight Studios and, and uh, Supreme Video, uh, in the show notes. So if people cool. happen to find themselves in Hawaii and need a wedding, uh, these are the people to talk to. Perfect. And you know, just for the record, Ron paid for his wedding by saying that he would mention them on this week's podcast. <laughs> yes, absolutely not true. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I paid full price for these people, and they were well worth it. No, that's awesome. Cool. Well, thanks, thanks, Ron. I appreciate that. Yep. All right, Derek Story. What's your pick of the week? So I have two. I have two. I have a freebie, and then I have a piece of hardware. I'll do the freebie first. Okay. Uh, so uh, I mentioned at the top of the show I'm working with uh, CT Digital Photography on their Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash CT Digiphoto, CT Digiphoto. Uh, you can get uh, sign up for the newsletter and get a, a free issue of this, uh, of this magazine. Cool. And uh, it's like 140 pages. It's like getting a free book. You know, you know these things are quarterly and they're, they're pretty pretty crazy. So... Uh, the, the freebie is go over to the Facebook page, CT Digiphoto, and check it out and see what you think. If you want to do deep dive into photography, it's, it's a great place to go. So that's the freebie. Um, new hardware. The camera that I'm excited about is uh, not quite out yet, but I got to test it, which is the Olympus OM-10. Oh, OM I heard of that one. Yes. Yeah, I mean, uh, yes, it's the OMD-E uh, M-10. Yeah. So is yeah. that somewhere between the EM5 and the EM1 yeah. kind of? It's actually even though it's not, not in not sequence. In it's 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 uh it's uh, off to the left. Okay. And uh, you know the EM5 is going to stick around. The EM1 obviously is the flagship, but the 10 really goes goes back to the design roots. It has the same image uh, quality um, ability as the EM1. Has same sensor. Has all that. All that really good stuff, but it's uh, half the price of the EM1, and it just—it's a beautiful little camera. It's just. Wait, uh, do you own this? Or are you testing it? Uh, Just—I've uh, only had my hands on it. I don't own it. They're not uh. ownable yet. They're not ownable yet. You can't buy one yet. It'll be okay. next month. But uh, I just wanted to put it on people's radar if they're thinking about micro four thirds. You know, Ron was talking about you know his decision-making process earlier. And if you end up leaning that way, I would put that camera in there with, you know, some of the some of the other models by Olympus and Panasonic. It's, well, who does it's it compete beauty. with? Like on the on the Panasonic side, would it would be the equivalent to the EM10? I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe the GX7. You know, okay. you know, somewhere in there, somewhere yeah. in there, I would say. Except it has, you know, the uh, the 10, the Olympus. Uh, EM10 has uh, electronic viewfinder uh, built in also, and um, you know it's it's sweet. It's sweet. All right, cool. Are you are you doing a review on that that we can read? I will. Well? Yes, okay. I will. Yeah. And the digital story. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. The digitalstory.com. Keep an eye on that site for it. Yes. 
Awesome. All right. Quickly, and my my pick is so when I was at what was this last conference I was at Imaging USA in Phoenix, Arizona. Some folks from a company called Craft and Jute, K R A F T and Jute came up to me to introduce themselves, which is why, from a marketing tip per perspective, always good to make contacts at trade shows because you never know when you're going to end up on Twip. Um, but they introduced themselves, and she gave me her card, and they're. First of all, the card was amazing because it was hand-stitched. It had like a hand-stitched border on it, which immediately caught my attention. But they do things like this. And for you guys that are listening, I'm holding up a card. I don't know if you can see this. My light is so bright. Um, my ice light, by the way. So light. Uh, but they do these things where, like, packaging for your albums and uh, USB packaging, cal uh, canvas wraps, print sleeves, on-disc on printing. And it's all this, like, sort of hand made look and feel stuff that just looks like it should be really expensive, but it's not. And they, um, you know, it's just really amazing. I like what they're doing. I like the kind of the ethos that they built around the company. It looks really clean, really earthy, and really, really modern for the, the wedding and portrait photographers and other photographers. They're trying to do something a little bit different with their business and not just do the same old thing that everyone else is doing. So, um, I got this, the, uh, I'm just like everybody else, so I picked up their flyer from the trade show, and on the flyer, if you didn't get a chance to go to the trade show, it says they're giving 15% off all their products if you use the code KJFRIEND15, KJFRIEND15, and limit one per customer, and it's uh, it expires at the end of this year, so definitely check that out. That's um, our friends over at Craft and Jute. Also, uh, another site that I'm going to, I'm actually going to interview these guys as well for this week in photo, and it's a company called Shoot Proof. Shoot, S-H-O-O-T, proof.com. And what they're, what they're doing is kind of like what Smug Mug and Zenfolio do, but they put a different spin on it, and the UI for doing your proofing is really ultra-modern and clean and out of the way, and it's just, just a new way of proofing for your clients. So definitely definitely check them out at shoeproof.com. I'm going to give them a huge shout-out. Okay, um, guys, we're at the end of the show. All right. Uh, I, this, these shows go so fast. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. All right, um, at the end, after, after we roll the credits and all that, there's an interview with a good friend of mine who's now a good friend of mine, I feel like, and that's Mr. Peter Hurley. He's a headshot photographer. Uh, headshot and portrait and model photographer that's based in New York City. He's a guy that's famous for the squinch uh, and shebang <laughs> and all that stuff. So Peter Hurley's awesome. So yeah, definitely listen to the end of the show for that or head over to thisweekinphoto.com and you can watch us do the interview live through the through Google Plus Hangouts. So cool. You gotta love where technology is today. You can do all this cool stuff. Alright, Ron Brinkman, where are you at online? Where can people go to connect with you? Hang on, I'm practicing my squinching. Hey, do it, do it. Show me the squinch. Wait, wait. Let me bring it up. It's not working. Well, there, yeah, there it is. It's there very it is. subtle. <laughs> it's very subtle. It's Derek. Very subtle. Derek. <laughs> let's see your squinch. Can you squinch? Yeah, there it is. See? There it is. Subtle. All right. Like here, it. here's my squinch. Right here we go. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah, that may have been I, a little close to a squint. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I have this bright light in front of me. It's hard to squint with a bright light. <laughs> yeah. uh, you can probably find me online on Twitter, at Ron Brinkman. Uh, I haven't done anything since uh, pre-wedding planning, but the, the goal is to get back and start being social on social media again soon. 
Very cool. Awesome. Well, welcome back to the land of the living. Thank you. All right. Derek Story, where are you at online? Oh, go to thedigitalstory.com, and that's where everything, everything all runs through there. It's, awesome. uh, it's my Grand Central Station. And how, how is the nimble photographer working out? It's working out great. It's working out. I, I was having so much fun with that. And uh, I always tweet when I put a new uh, journal entry on Nimble Photographer and, and all that. So if, you, you know, if you're following me on Twitter or go to Digital Story, you'll see. But that site, thenimblephotographer.com, is, is a hoot. It's a blast. It's awesome. What, it was one of my good ideas for, uh, for 2013 for sure. Well, congratulations. <laughs> I'm glad it's going well. Cool. Can't yeah. wait to see, I can't wait to see what you do next. You're always doing something. It's yeah, crazy. I got a few things I'm working on. I know, always. You're yeah. like the government. You're always working on something. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You're like, I don't know how to take that. The no. government. <laughs> I'd rather be like Google or something. There you, there you go. You're like <laughs> Google. There you yeah. Go. yeah. You're not you're not Adobe or Apple. You're like Google. I just, just bought a barge, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> bought a giant aircraft hangar yeah. in Moffett Field. Crazy. I can't get my brain around that. All right, guys. Uh, listeners, be sure, and watchers, be sure to check our new site out, or our redesigned site out, over at thisweekinphoto.com. Or if you want to just touch base with me, you can head over to my personal site at frederickvan.com. And with that, it's time to take that lens cap off. <laughs> This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production, produced by Suzanne Llewellyn, with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar. All right, folks, I'm sitting here with the man, Mr. Peter Hurley. He's a photographer. Have you heard of him? He's a, Peter, he's a photographer based in New York City who has hung his flag on the whole world and kind of owned the world of headshot photography and kind of reinvented the way that a lot of us photographers think about interacting with our subjects, you know, shooting them, charging them, all that stuff. So Peter uh, is, is the guy. So we're going to dive into his background. We're going to dive into how he does his work. We're going to dive into a whole bunch of stuff. And at the end of this, hopefully we'll all be better headshot photographers when we finish with this interview. So Peter Hurley, welcome to This Week in Photo. Thanks, Frederick. Thanks for having me on. You're the man. I really, after you, uh, after our little stint at Imaging USA, I was like, I got to hang with this guy more. So I, I appreciate you inviting me on. Hey, you brought, like I told you, you brought a much needed element of New York cool to our hangout. So it was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it was cool. It was great. I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. That's great. So we let, let's start with you. Let's start with the background stuff. So I read that you, you're a former uh, model. Right, so tell me how you got into that. You know, other than just being a good-looking guy, how did you get into My that? My parents and then... got me into it. Like, started early. <laughs> I mean, I, I I don't know if I still have the. I don't have what I had then, but um, no, I I was uh, I. I never thought I would model ever, and my like my roommate in college was like the really good-looking guy, and he came to New York to try and model. And he got blown off, and it never worked out for him. So I just never thought about it. And then I was training for the Olympics in sailing. I raced sailboats all my life. I like grew up uh, on the Jersey Shore, and I and I and I um, 
I was racing and I won this national championship and the boat that I uh, sailed became a Olympic class. So it was in the Atlanta Olympics. So I started training. I had just graduated college. I was like, I had no idea what I was going to do with my life. I'm so envious of the young photographers that hit me up that are like, I want to be a photographer. And I'm like, how old are you? And they're like, they're like, well, I'm 15. I'm like, how did you know this? I mean, it's unbelievable. So I had no clue. Um, but I fell into it. I got a designer from Donna Karen got me sponsored by DKNY for the Olympics. They sent me over to Ralph Lauren, who was doing a polo sport ad campaign and wanted real sailors in it. I went in, did the interview, got the job. Bruce Weber was the photographer on the shoot. Bruce and I became friends. You shoot with Bruce. If you get good pictures, which he always takes good pictures, you have, you have a chance at a modeling career. I was like, I might as well try this. It, one thing led to another, and I was pounding pavement in New York trying to be a model after, the Olympic, after I failed at the Olympic trials my first time. Um, and then over the years, Bruce and I became really close and he just kept egging me on to get a camera. I have no idea why to this day. And I just thank him for it. I just saw him a couple months ago and I was like, you know, you don't even know, like, you know, that's why I feel lucky to pick up a camera. I will, you know, I, I feel like the teaching is a, is a way for me to get back and I try and, uh, reach out to everybody I can, especially people interested in, um, making a living at this and, and taking headshots. I, I just had a guy down in, um, Sean Richardson's a photographer in, um, in New Orleans and a buddy of mine's an actor. Uh, he's, a, he's basically a celebrity. Look him up. He's been in more films than you could imagine. His name is Michael Papajani. He called me and said, who, how good do you think this guy is? He sent me the guy's pictures. I was like, he's really good. He's really good. So I said, I said, I'll start sending him people. So I started to send him a few people that had asked me about, headshots there. Anyway, he sends me an email just today, right before the call, right before about 10 minutes ago. And I was like, I'm just going to call him up. And he wrote in his email. I mean, I might as well just read it since I'm on the subject. Yeah. I just got done hanging out with Michael Papajani. He told me that he sent you my site, greenpotatophotography.com. Check it out, people. I wanted to say thank you for checking my site. And I want to say thank you for being such an inspiration to me and sharing your knowledge. It has changed my life. I'm a big fan of your work and style. Would love to stay in touch. You're the man. Cheers, Sean. So I'm like, this does not require a phone, uh, an email response. This requires a phone call. Yeah. So, you know, I called them and, you know, we're going we're gonna to stay in touch. That's crazy. Cool. That's, That's cool. crazy. That That's cool. That is cool. To, That's to cool. have the so ability then... to do that is cool. It is. I mean, and and just change the way people think, because you you've impacted the you know the whole headshot industry. Then I want to dive into that. But when you when you made the conscious decision to to focus, no pun intended, on headshots, why just why just headshots? Why not you know the broad fashion and all that other stuff? You know, from a business perspective, I understand. But you know, what's what's your your perspective? I think that you. I think all of us as photographers, when you pick up a camera and you want to try and make a living at it, you take whatever is in front of you. You take anything. You take, you know, shooting anything that you press the button, an image goes onto that sensor, and it comes out on your computer and you get paid, you do it. That's yeah. it. So when I started, I was like, all right, well, what can I do? And I was modeling, and I was I had gotten into acting. So I was like, okay, so I'm going to easily, I can shoot models because they're all my friends. 
but they don't have much money. They don't want to pay. A model that's good looking doesn't really have to pay for pictures. Somebody trying to get into modeling needs to pay for pictures. So I shot the people trying to get into modeling and then on occasion would shoot my friends that were actually models that, that you know, I might get something for my book or something like that. But the actors needed headshots. And the top headshot photographers in New York were charging like 800 a 1000 bucks back then. This was in 2000. I picked up a camera in 2000. I shot for about, I, I actually picked it up in June of 2000. So for the first six months, I was just trying to get my feet wet. I was just shooting models. And then in about 2001, I started to do my first headshots that were really hard because I was like, when people get close to the camera and like look directly in it, they get really weird. And I was like, when you're far away and you're shooting like, uh, you know, some, uh, something happening in front of you, it's a lot easier. If I shot a model where they look off in the distance, they look fine. But when you're close and tight and they got to look in the camera and, and, and they would get all blank and I'd be like, this is a mess. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is really hard to do. Uh, but these photographers were making that kind of money and I was like, all right, I got to live in New York city. I live in, I, I was, uh, I went out of my way to get an apartment that I could shoot in with a Southern facing window. Fortunately, my girlfriend at the time we had moved in together. She's now my wife and, uh, she was modeling and acting and making a decent living. So she kind of pulled us through while I was trying to build this business. Um, so I was able to get this apartment that we got, um, which was a small studio, but she got pregnant and, and we were in a studio apartment. I was shooting actors right there up to like, right, like in a studio in the, with her in the same on place, the yeah. in the same place yeah. you were living. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's pregnant with twins. I was like, it was crazy. It was crazy. Wow. So, um, but you know, you do it You and, and it's, it's, I mean, it's the same is it's, it's it's nose to the grindstone kind of stuff. It was me pounding pavement. It was more like I didn't have a choice. I didn't want to go back into a bar. I was the model actor bartender dude. And I was like, I had turned 30. I had kind of, the Olympics kind of set me back a little bit. So I, I mean, it didn't set me back. It was one of the most amazing times in my life. I, I trained from 93 to 96. And then 97, 90, end of 96, I started modeling. 96 to 99, I modeled. and did the model actor bartender thing in New York and pounded pavement like doing that. And then in 99, I just decided to go back for the Olympics again. And, and I made the U S team in 2000, picked up a camera after that was done. And then it was like, okay, I'm not going back in the bar. No way. Am I going back in the bar? I'm going to do whatever it takes. And that's the thing that I think when I'm coaching people, I'm like, are they doing whatever it takes? But the real thing is, 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 you could do whatever it takes, but if the work isn't there, if your work isn't sound, you're spinning your wheels. And, and I try and coach people on getting their work nailed down and then, and then getting it out there in any way, shape or form, like going ballistic. Like I went nuts. Like I was like, okay, I would research every photographer in New York, every single one of them. I'd see like where their advertising is. I would ask actors. I would be running around. I'd get I now since I was an actor, it benefited me because I would kind of run into these situations. I knew where to go. I knew the agents to talk to. I would do I would I would I was kind of planting my feet firmly there. But then I made the best decision of my life. And that was to shoot one way and one way only. When I decided to do the white background and just shoot people sitting in front of this windowsill in this studio apartment on black and white film. That was it, because when the transition came to color, I didn't change anything. 
And, and where, where did and, that come from? I was that's a that's a perfect segue because it's yeah your your look is continuous light, right? It's it's surround you know, as as evident. I mean, in your DVD, you go into this in depth, but I mean, you've you've got you've got a pretty set lighting look and like you said the white background where did that come from was it was it scientific was it just like you know this is what people want so I'm gonna do it how did you get to that I mean I kinda was like okay I want I knew I needed I, I was shooting my brother let me crash in his apartment when I first picked up my camera so I was living and he didn't have great light he had this tiny little living room I went down to B&H and I bought some lights and uh, I set them up in his living room, and I actually look at the portraits that I did back then, and they're pretty cool. I was like, I was pretty good. I was, I'm all self-taught. I just like, hey, I didn't suck. <laughs> I didn't know what a shutter sync was, so for the first like month, my pictures all came out with a black line on them, and I was like, I'm never shooting with a flash again. I'm just gonna shoot natural light. I couldn't. I did, I had no idea what a, a, a shutter sync was, but anyway. Um, I, for some reason, I thought, all right, I'm not very good with these strobes. I need natural light, and I need a lot of it. And I was like, I need a southern-facing window. I wanted direct sunlight in a window. That I, I don't know why. I just felt that that's what I needed, and I wanted to plop people in front of it. So I, when I got the studio apartment, it was on the 27th floor of this building on the West Side Highway, and it looked directly over the Javits Center and then right into this big building called the Starrett Lehigh Building, and all these flashes go off, and, this, and the studios are all there. So actually, this is a, an aside, but my I would visualize myself shooting in that building, um, and I'm a big believer in setting goals for yourself and, and visualizing them and stuff like that. So um, a couple years later, a friend called me and said, hey, I got a studio in this building. I wonder if you want to look at it, and it was in that building. That's and I went cool. down, and I got my studio in that building, and I was in that building for five years, and I moved around to different studios, and I had my own corner of that building uh, for a few years and it was, it was, but I looked at it every day and thought uh, one day I'm going to be shooting pictures in that building. And there I was, but until then I shot with my butt up against the window, still natural light. And I took, um, foam core, I made V flats and I put the person in a white box. So they, it was like the window with the V flats coming out. And then the back was the back of the V flat. So, and it, and then I had a white couch that I bought that was like a futon. And they and I put it down, and they sat on the on the futon, um, and I shot like that for years. So that created the look. So when I went to uh, when I moved into that Starrett Lehigh building, I didn't have any windows in the little studio I was in, and I could never make strobe look like natural light. I could never I could always see the difference. It didn't look like my natural light work. So I was like. I just didn't like it as much. I, I, I could take good pictures. They look okay. And then the strobe's going off all the time. And I, I never really got it to where every day I looked at my work and I was like, these strobes look awesome, you know, but I was in a studio with no windows. I took the space because I needed to get out of the apartment. <laughs> Excuse me. So one day Perry Ogden is this photographer from the UK. He came in and he shot in the big space off my studio, and I became friends with his first assistant. And they they were shooting kinos, and I was looking at them I'm like those things are pretty cool looking. And I was like, <laughs> what is that? And, I, and they showed me the Polaroids that they took, and they looked really cool. I was like, this guy's amazing. Plus, he was an amazing photographer. Um, and they left. They they were there a week, and on Friday they left, and the and the kinos were sitting there on the floor of the studio. And I asked the studio manager, I was like, what's going on with those? And he said, the rental house is coming on Monday to pick them up. I was like, hmm, Monday. 
Okay, here we go. <laughs> Calling up some friends. Hey, get your butt over here. I got some lights to test. And we took them out, and I shot that whole weekend, and I still have the pictures. I I remember the first headshot I took with Kinos. I was like, this is it. So yeah, it was no, really then, good. So then, have you you in your in your DVD? Like, you talk about I'm mixing drifting off the screen. No, no, you're good. You're totally good. But you you talk in the DVD. You talk about mixing um, strobe and continuous light. So you got like strobes going off in the background and continuous light in the foreground. How, describe that, and why why are you doing that? Well, I wanted the background really white, so if I, you know, when I first shot my first headshot with the keynotes, I put the lights right next to the wall. I had a white wall, and I put the lights right, I put this girl in front of them, and I plastered her with these, these lights all around. I just figured, my since I, I'm like totally self-taught, I have no idea what I'm doing, so it's all like trial and error, so I just plastered light, jammed lights as close to her as I could and turned them on real bright, and she was like this. And I shot her, but she was next to the wall, so the wall would fall off a little gray or get a little bit of a, of a slight shadow from her head or whatever. And I was like, I want pure white. I want to do pure white. So in order to do that, I had to pull her off the wall, strobe the back, and I set up this – I had a little studio with this – and I painted everything white, floor, ceiling. Like everything was white. And then I put um, – I put a – I had this little alcove, and I just blew a stro strobe against the back wall and blew it through like a, a china silk, and that was my backdrop for years. And I always loved that light, and when I look back at it, I like it a lot. But I was in this little room that had this little thing, and, and now on occasion I'll set up a silk and blow through it, but most of the time I just hit the background straight. Or I have, my, I have a product that I bring with me, so I'm going um, on a big shoot tomorrow, and I bring these these pro boards. It's a Hurley pro gear product that I started and I shoot that and I set it up and I use that as my backdrop and I strobe that. I, I definitely want to talk about that, the Hurley pro stuff. Um, the, but before we get into that, I want to talk about just your part of the, what you're doing. It sounds like you, you have a fairly consistent lighting setup that you're using and varying slightly from person to person, but it sounds like the bulk of what you're doing is connecting with the subject. Right. So, and the yeah. psychology and the posing, and you're joking back and forth and building rapport, pulling them out of their shell. Talk to me about that, because I know a lot of photographers they want to do what you do, but they're shy or, you know, how do I get this person? How do we get the stranger that I just met to look sexy or give me this look? How do how do you do that? How do you pull that off? Yeah, it's it's well. First of all, I I really haven't changed my light since 2004. Wow. From the day I picked up those kinos, so. You know, and a lot of photographers are like, are, do you get bored? Is it like, you know, I'm like, no, I don't get bored because I have a different person. I mean, I tweak the light. I do fiddle with it. I fine-tune it. I do things with the light that jazzes me up that nobody else would notice. They'll be like, I don't see any difference. I'm like, yeah, but it's huge. You know, it's like yeah. it's like the fine-tuning things. But you're right. It is all about this. It's all about people. For me, it's about, the, it's about um, you know, catching the person – as they're being a person, not the person as they are in front of a camera. So in order to do that, you know, it's really a, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a gift, I think, or it's something that I was so in tune with that I had to not stop trying to figure it out until I did. And the honest truth is there is no figuring it out. Yeah. You don't figure this out. You evolve. We're photographers. Like we're going to photograph 
we're going to be shooting till we're like I don't plan on ever putting down a camera, which means that I don't plan on ever being done learning, or I don't ever plan on getting done better. I remember when I first started, and it, and I was like, okay, I got the person in the lights, I got I got a great camera, I got great lights, everything looks great. Person looks out to lunch. All right, what do I say? And I would not know what to say. So when you get to that point where you don't know what to say, you're like, it gets frustrating. So I was like, I was totally frustrated. I was like, I have to figure out what to say to this person, what to say to that person, what to say to the next person. And I remember saying this to myself. I'd be like, I just hope I get lucky today. And the person looks in there and gives me a look in that's interesting. And I used to shoot really fast and try and like, okay, maybe they'll do something where I'll catch them off guard and something cool will come in the camera. But no, the person was blank as hell the entire time because I didn't know what to say. Yeah. So I think every photographer has to find this in their own way. I mean, it doesn't, you know, you could be really shy and quiet and find a way to do it. I'm not shy and quiet, so I do it through my kind of banter and, and the way I do it. But there is a way for each of us to find out how we connect. It's all human interaction and connection. So I teach a lot of this in my classes I talk about it and how I found it and what I do to find it and how I it's basically building a rapport and then and and what would used to happen to me is I used to think it would take me like an hour or or more to build this rapport with some people and as my thought process went on day in and day out to try and get better at this the amount of time that it would take for me to chill people out would go down so now I can get somebody in front of my camera and I can nail a shot of them in 30 seconds whereas it might have taken an hour uh, two years ago, maybe four years ago, it would have taken me two hours. Like my session times have really gone down, and I'm really more in tune. It's like anything, you know. You, you, I, the one, the best advice that I that I give photographers that want to do portraits is have somebody in front of your camera every single day, every day. Yeah. And bounce yeah. ideas off of them because you have to figure out what your shooting style is. This is the, the um, I'm doing a platform class at WPPI where I'm talking about this. It's direction and portrait photography. And um, it is the final ingredient. So you can't direct somebody if they're not, if the light's not good or if they're not in the right position or, you know, so what I do is I go through this whole thing of making sure technically everything's fine and then body position, they're, they're in the position that I need. The hair's perfect. Everything's fine. And then I direct them mentally to get where they need to be. So it's a process. And if you jump the process or do it any differently, you're going to miss the shot. You're going to get a shot where the hair's like over the face like this mm -hmm. or where the body's not right. They're double chin like this, you know. So it's all these different things. And then figuring out what to say at the end. And most of my um, – I think the best advice – is you have to be authentic to yourself. Like you've got to be yourself. Like nobody's going to do it like you. People, look, I when I trained for the Olympics, um, there was a pecking order in the United States. And I was like, I would be like considered 30th when I started. In the end, I was like fourth in North America. I was 17th in the world. I was, I got really good. But the way I got good is that I watched the best guys. And um, I watched these oops hello i pressed the wrong button <laughs> so you're on can an interview with this week in photo can you call me can you call me nobody's there anyway call me back sorry i, I i'm on a i'm on a call all right i i tried to press mute and i answered the phone anyway awesome. um 
where was it? so I would watch the best guys. Like the number one guy in the world was an animal. He's still amazing. The guy's like, you know, he's doing things that you wouldn't believe that I got to sail against him. So I'd watch him. And I would and I remember going and the best guy in the in the US back when I first started my campaign trained at a Long Beach, California. And I'm from Jersey. And I was like, I want to go sail with the best guy. I'm going to go to Long Beach. And I moved to LA and I sailed in Long Beach and I want and the guy would kick my butt for like like weeks, months. I would get my and it which is so frustrating. But then I was like, I watched him and I started to see what he did. And I start and then and then I started to get I caught up to him and then I started to pass him. And then he beat me at the Olympic trials and went to the Olympics and ended up beating me. But in in those practice things, I went from them having to wait, him and this other guy having to wait for me to me having to wait for them. So yeah. I got really, but it was by copying and then tweaking it to my own style. So I don't mind when people copy my work um, if it's going to get them better. But I think everybody has to find their own style. And yeah. you have to find your own style in the look of your work. You have to find your own style in the, um, in the way that you, you talk to people. Um, if what I teach, I know that my teaching helps people find that style. Um, and, and it, that's really what I want, but I want yeah. them to have the whole enchilada. I want them to get the technical aspect and then nail the shot with a, everybody knows my signature word. When I nail a shot, I just, you know, I have to, here we go. Ready? I have a button here. When I, when I nail a shot, I actually hit this button. <laughs> what is shebang the button. shebang? The hashtag shebang. shebang. I love it. <laughs> I got the hey, hashtag hey, shebang Peter, button. I got, here we go. Wait, hit it again. Right there you go. There it is. That's awesome. You got to send me. No, I got to get. Well, check it out. I got a. I got a question from Tim, uh, from Facebook. He wants to know. He says, "Ask him if he'd ever shot someone he felt no connection to, and how he overcame that obstacle." Oh yeah, that's the worst. Oh, it's horrible. (laughs) I mean, but it happens. We're human. We're people. Actually, I have. You know what I do? You have to have balls to do this, but I've done it. And I, and, and especially when you're right? charging. Yeah. <laughs> so especially when you're, <laughs> when you're, so I charge a thousand bucks for a headshot session. So when people are in here and they don't listen to me or give me a hard time and it's that situation where they're hiring me, the, where the client is the end product. So the actors are actually paying. If I'm shooting a model for a, a company that's doing some advertising, the model better shut up and do the job. You know, they're getting paid. Just listen to me and get, you know, I don't have to have a problem with them. When your end client is your customer, like if you're shooting a wedding and the bride is a pain in the butt or something like that, or, or an actor comes in and doesn't listen to me, I don't know why they don't listen to me, but they come in and they don't listen to me. I'm like, what'd you hire me for? Um, you have to get to the point where you have to take control and you have to figure it out. So I'll get, I've gotten to the point. I mean, it happens. It hasn't happened in a really long time. But it used to happen like every six months where I would say, look, this isn't working out. Um, this isn't working out. Um, I, I just think that, you know, we're not a good match. And, you know, good luck. Go, you know, I'm just going to wrap it up right now and give your money back. I give them their money back. You've like done I tell that? Them, You've actually done that? When somebody I, come in, you're like, yes. you know, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't work like this. You know, yes. here's, you know here's, my buddy, here's my buddy Joe. He'll, he'll shoot you. Yeah. Well, I mean, with me, it's really good because if they walk out that door, I know they're not going to get it better in the city. So I'm like, I know they're kind of screwed. So 
I say that and I'm like, I put it on the line. I put the money out there. And you know why? It's my day too. Yeah. I've been doing this long enough. You guys, you're living, eating, and breathing that day. It's your day. You're going to enjoy your day or are you going to let this person make you miserable? Mm-hmm. You know, and now if you don't have a dime in your pocket and you need their money, do not do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that's, it, see, that, it, that's that's an obstacle right there because a lot of it's just you know beginning photographers they're just happy to get somebody in front of their camera and if they don't have that that connection they get somebody and it's a dud you know do they yeah. just you're like okay this is a learning experience then I'm just gonna learn how to shoot people that suck you know do, yeah, do they I mean, do that or do they bail? I'll, well, I mean I'll do I'll get to that point where I say that mo- nobody ever left yeah. nobody they've always they then they say oh, okay. And then I'm like, okay, then you have to listen to everything I say. Shut up and get in there and do it. Mm-hmm. And then and then they get better, and then the shots are amazing because I hammer them. But um, but if you're at the point, sometimes I'll be like, I just can't. I've had everything happen. I mean, everything. Like you've got to shoot a lot of people to have everything happen. I had a I had a so here's a here's one that sticks out in my brain. I had this girl. She came in. She was gorgeous. We were getting great stuff. She thought that they she didn't think that they were good. I started to do, I call myself 90% therapist, 10% photographer. That's just the yeah. way I roll. Yeah. So I did my therapy on her. I had her. She was, I got her. She was now positive. She knew the shots were good. She was happy. She was, she was psyched. She was getting in from the camera. We were getting our best stuff. In walks her best friend. Comes over to my screen. Oh, my goodness. These are, yeah, it's just not working out, is it? You know, starts giving her like I. It just took me an hour to get her to chill out. Now we were gonna get start getting really good stuff, and this jerk comes in and, and hits me with that, and I was just like ready to explode. So I, I like. So what did I do? I went into I closed down mode, get the job done, get the person out the door. Next day I get the call, or maybe it was a week later, and she called and because she showed the pictures to her agent, and she was like, she called and apologized and said, "Wow, everybody's blown away. I feel so embarrassed." I was like, "Well, you know, that's the way it is." But in the moment, you can't you can't do that. But you know, you have to kind of the best thing that you can do to take charge of a situation is know what you're talking about mm-hmm. because everybody wants to look in front of a camera. If you give them direction that is very direct in what you want them to do to make them look better. And, and, and I shoot tethered, so I show them them looking better. Do not shoot tethered if you're not a rock star because you're going to show them pictures and they're just going to lose it. Unless your light is phenomenal, don't, don't shoot tethered. I know my light, they're going to look better than any, any other picture they ever looked good in. So, I mean, I'm like, this, they're going to be fine. Yeah. But if you give them direction, then they feel like – they feel like um, – I should have put that on vibrate anyway. Sorry, guys. Anyway, so if they feel like you know what you're talking about, they're going to start to give it up to you, and you have to keep that, ride that wave, and you have to have you have to have a shtick. I'm going to talk about that a lot. I mean, I yeah. talk about that all the time. You have to have enough material um, to last an entire session to hit them with. You don't want to be saying the same stuff over again, and every photographer gets to that moment where they're flat, where we don't know what to say. Everybody. There's no way. You can't. There's nobody I know. There's one guy I might know, and he's not a photographer, who can do constant banner for hours and hours and hours on end. Um, You have to have some stuff in your back pocket. I used to have a list 
of stuff to say that I taped to my lights. Seriously? So they were next to me. Yeah, I had a yeah. whole thing. My you, you talk about doing the stories. Like you put them in. Like yeah, one of the things I saw you doing, you're like, okay, you're the. It was a female model, and you're like, you're the you're the lead female in the scene, and there's Brad Pitt, and you know you're interested, and you're trying to get him over to you. You know, so you have your you have your subjects do that and and role play in order to get the look out of them. Oh, yeah, and I do it in consultations. I, just the girl that was here right before that, I did that with her. So these actors come in with all this pressure from their agent that they got to get a good shot, and they're all nervous, and they show me 10 shots and what they like, what they don't like, why they suck in front of a camera, why they're good in front of a camera, what's wrong with them, what's not. And then I just do that with them, and they just, just melt. They just, like, they because they go, this isn't, he's not going to tell me to stand up straight and turn to the left. You know, I mean, it's just like you're just getting their brain moving in another direction. The I used, this was the thing that was scary, is that I used to do the stories all the time, and they, they work well for actors, but I would get a corporate person, I'd be like, I don't know what to say to this person. <laughs> I was like, I can't tell them they're in a movie with Scarlett Johansson. And I was like, you know, it's not going to work. I was like, i got to figure out something else. And that was in the moment years back when I was like, I really have to figure this out. And um, and and I did. It's It's just a whole convoluted process of my own that I yeah. that I that I delved into which you know it's it's years of stuff but everybody should have their own stuff and I and if photographers own, do it, I your own they'd. script and all that right what, what about you know, what about some some tips for photographers I know you have this thing where you like stick your neck out and you know there's this whole thing going around the internet about the squinch you know yeah. my friend Christina at uh, at Sony asked me specifically to ask you to do the squinch so you oh, have, we to, do. have to do the squinch. We'll do the squinch. Yeah. So for years, everybody looked in cameras blank, and I was like, I gotta figure. So I would tell them to squint, and it's not squinting. Squint. If you're squinting, look, I'll do it close. Here we go. This is squinting, right? Not yeah. cool. Am I am I in the frame? Yeah. Okay. So squinting. Squinching is like this. Your eyes. People get in front of the cameras and they go like this. I don't talk to you. This is weird. Like I don't talk to people like this, right? I talk yeah. to people like this. My eyes are relaxed. So all I really want them to do is relax their eyes like this. All right. And then if they want to amp up the coolness, you want to raise the lower eyelids so that you narrow the distance between your your pupil and your lower eyelid. So just these go up. So let's see if I can pull. I don't know what I look like. I'm trying to look down yeah. and then look up. Tell me if it looks good. Ready? I'm going to squinch right now. You ready? Yep. Yep. See that, see that? lower yep. lid pressure? Yeah. That's it. So you bring it, you're bringing the bottom eyelid up bottom and the top up. down. Top down barely, but not much. Watch. There's more movement in the lower. I'm a. I hope I can't see myself. Yeah, yeah. That's the other thing is that the, the people in front of your camera can't see themselves. You have to be the voice of reason. You have to be like, you look good. You suck. Like one yeah. way or the other, you got to lay it on them. This girl, I, I, I'm a straight shooter because that feels authentic to me. So this girl, I, I had a consultation with her two seconds before I got on with you. And she was gorgeous, but she like would hold back her smile. And then when I saw her smile, her teeth were really yellow. And I was like, I was like, I just, I just know, Hey, if you're putting yourself on the line to be in this business, I know me telling her that she's got to get her teeth white and is going to give her more, uh, chance of getting a job. I mean, I'll take the pictures and we could whiten the teeth, yeah. you know? But if she does it on her own, she's gonna. It's just she's holding her teeth back, and she was gorgeous, and that was the only thing I saw. So I said to her, I was like, "Look, you know, it, uh, I can do it in in post on the images, but you really should get your teeth whitened for the auditions." And she was like, "Oh my gosh!" And then she we went into a, she had a 
problem. There was some sort of something she took that discolored her teeth. So I said, well, you really have to get that. Like, if you want to work in this business and you don't want to have anything against you, I mean, it's important to have pretty white teeth if you're going in for film and TV work. Yeah. And she was like, I can't believe, like, I feel so great that you told me that. And I was like, well, that's just the way I roll. I mean, I can't, I'm not sugarcoating stuff. If I see something and I know it'll help her in the long run, it's worth pointing that out and acknowledging things like that. And when you do that, you gain people's trust. Now, don't just go hammer somebody. Like a lot of times with eyebrows with women, you get like they got to stop fucking their eyebrows. I mean, it's just horrible. Because Something. they have like I'm one like, little so, line left. Yeah, it's yeah. terrible. I'm like, what are you doing? Or guys, guys, stop plucking your eyebrows. What are you doing? <laughs> stop that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> You don't need to pluck your eyebrows. Maybe like right in here. I shot Sophia Vergara and there's a picture of her right over. She doesn't even touch her eyebrows. Yeah. You don't need to touch eyebrows. Who, who the heck's idea was that? <laughs> tell it tell it like it is, right? See that see that's the other thing that comes after shooting thousands of people. You can get to that point. But some photographers are like, you know what? I'm lucky to have this model in here and I'm gonna tell her that she's got yellow teeth. I don't yeah, maybe, no, yeah. You, know? you don't want to scare people away either. But yeah, you, yeah, you don't but you know, you get to a point where, in your career where you find out what resonates with you and what you can and can't tell people. I mean, I mean, just she didn't walk in the door and I went, your teeth are yellow. How the heck am I going to shoot you? You know, I didn't say it like that. Like the way that you come across and the way that you, you have to be a people person. And this is part of, you know, the business side of this business of shooting portraiture. You know, you're, you're, if you're, if you're photographing a person you got to be a people person. Like you've right. got to work on this end of things. And if you don't connect with people, you should go shoot landscapes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the quote, the quote of the interview. Peter, have you ever shot anybody that was like clearly shouldn't be in the business? You know, they're like, you know, dude, you should probably not be in front of other people. Have you ever had anybody like that? Yeah, all the time. But with actors, you know, it's not my job to decide whether they can act or not or where their career will go. With models, yeah. it's different. Like a model comes in, I'm like, I tell them point blank. I'm like, look, I modeled. I know how hard it is to model. Like, like, And I'm looking at them, and I'm like, you're, let's say it's a guy. You're 5'8", and you, you know, don't have a six-pack, aren't ripped. Your hair's kind of, like, average. Your your features, you know, your parents did okay with you, but you're a good-looking person. But, like, like 99% of the people walking planet Earth can't model. There's, like, less than 1% that can. So you're yeah. not – you might be in there if you had an agent that fell in love with you or something. But you know what we're going to do? We're going to take the best – most – my – my um, – my uh, – my makeup artist calls them grandchildren pictures. So when this dude who's now 25 that wanted to model takes these pictures with me, when he's a grandparent, he'll be able to say, look what I did. That's the goal. They are going to get the best pictures of their life. So it's like that's what I'll do for them. Are you tell them that? Are you, are you thinking no. that in your head? Sometimes or do you I say, do you say no, that No, I usually to sugarcoat it, but I tell them. I tell them. But yeah. I sugar. I'm like, look. I mean, I mean, I show them my portfolio. I'm like, look, I did this. Like, and I'm not that. I don't think I'm that good looking or anything. But I got, I got very fortunate to get some modeling jobs, and now it's hard. And there's a lot of those scouting agencies and stuff that that make you pay a fee, and there's a lot of fake stuff out there. And and people come to me, and I'm like, look, you're 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 decent looking. It might work. Go for it. Or Get into acting. Like if you have talent as an actor, you're a good-looking person. 
you know, you could make that work much better than worrying about trying to get a modeling job. Like models generally, you guys, everybody watching this, if you walk down a street and, and somebody walks by you and they turn your head around and they're not of the opposite sex or the sexual preference that you have, like if I walk and down the street and see some dude, I'm, I'm straight and married and I don't like dudes, but if I see some guy that goes, wow, that guy's freaking good looking, that's a model. Like yeah. that guy, like the, and as photographers, we do that. People can't walk by me without me you know, checking them out. Women yeah. as well. You look at these, a woman walks by and you go, wow. I mean, that is a model. Like you don't, you don't have to guess about it. It's obvious. It's like this person has something. Yeah. I mean, see, see that, see that's, see, we could talk for hours because there's, there's a list of things that I want to talk to you about. Like how do you get models to shoot if you're just starting out? What do you pay models? You know, how do you interact with them? And I know you cover all this stuff in the DVD, but you know, we'll have to do another. We're gonna do another hangout and chat it. about this yeah, guy. I love it. I one thing. What did I want to say? Oh, I got something cool that came up. I am a. Uh, I don't think I'm the most. I mean, obviously, I'm not like overly groomed or anything. But um, Unilever got in touch with me, and, and I'm a counselor on men's grooming now. Apparently. Really? So, like yeah. So we're doing. So I don't know what's coming. They're coming into the studio on Monday, and we're gonna do some some video and stuff for them. And uh, and um, and uh, so it, it, the reason why I thought about it is because it is this. I just counseled that woman on her teeth. It's like as photographers, people will look at us for that kind of information. And yeah. if you see somebody messing up their look, in your opinion, you let them have it. Let them know. You know. I, I mean, it. it's like I might be messing up my look. I'm like I. I told the guys like I barely ever shave my hair. I shave my head and then I just let it grow back so it's a mess. <laughs> and the guys like he's like all right. Well, you you. And and I do tell people every day what, you know, grooming grooming stuff because as um, you know, as you shoot people, they're grooming and like the way you style them and what they're wearing and how they shave or how they what product they put in their hair matters for your work. Like I don't when somebody walks in and they have clothes that I can't stand, they're not going in my portfolio. I'll shoot them. They can go crazy. They can have fun with it. They're not going in my portfolio. Somebody puts on jewelry I don't like. They're not going in my portfolio. Their hairstyle I don't like. It doesn't go in my portfolio. I don't care yeah. how good looking they are. They yeah. guys that wear makeup and I make people wash their face. Guy comes in here with makeup, he's washing his face. I can't stand makeup on guys. Nice. So I'm not, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, but obviously, guys, the way that I'm talking is is through years of experience and having a busy studio. The best thing that you can do to have the balls that you need to do whatever you want to do in this business is be successful. Once you're successful, you can turn people. You can tell people like it is. You can do this. You can do that. Until then, do whatever you can to get people in front of your camera. If there's yeah. somebody – let's say you're in middle America somewhere and you've got your camera and you're watching this video. Go into the center of town or into a mall or something and find the best-looking person that you can find and ask them if they'll do a photo shoot with you for free and get them in front of your camera and just mess around and see what you can get. That's cool. Just do it. That's cool. Well, Peter, tell me before we before we close this off, you started another company, an offshoot to your headshot, your headshot business, um, Hurley Pro, where you've got gear and, and all that kind of stuff. What, what, what's that about and why did you start that? I was, I mean, I was, it's funny, when I was, uh, I was getting to the height of my, how busy my studio could be. I was booked mm -hmm. two months in advance. I couldn't, Jeez. I was shooting like a maniac. And I was like, I can't make any more money. I was like, I, 
I press the button and somebody has to be in front of my camera to make a, make a dime. I was like, what else can I do? So a buddy of mine was starting a business and something totally different and he just wanted me to do some research. So I did some research for him. It didn't seem like it was for me, but he said, come meet with me. So I went and met with him and he owns this big warehouse where he makes all these plastic products. And I started to look around and I was like, I can wait, I can use that for photography. Wait, I can use that. What, what, what is that? Can I borrow that? Give me one of those, you know? And I yeah. was like, and we just decided, I was like, wait, and you have designers and I could like make stuff. And then I started to look around the studio and see, well, what is it in here? Uh, anything that I think when I'm shooting, I was like, well, what if this did this? Wouldn't this be better? That's what I do. So the, my first um, product is this pro board. It's, um, there's a, there's a black, I just came out with this black matte pro board. Um, so that it, that's it right there. It's on two stands and it's in like a, you can't really, I can't, you can't really see it, but, yeah, um, anyway, that's, it, it's there. And, um, it comes in this bag. Hold on. Let me, I don't want to, it comes in this bag. So, um, I can travel with this. I go on planes with this. It comes in, um, I, my first board was glossy white because I would take plexiglass and put it down. I couldn't travel with it. I couldn't bend it. It's heavy. Couldn't deal with it. And now I use it as a backdrop like you saw over there. I use it on the floor. And I have a glossy one, a matte black one, which is the one that's hanging up now. I've been shooting a lot of black background stuff, which I love. Um, and a um, matte white one, which I use mostly for the backdrops now because I like it for the kinos for video and stuff. It'll go a nice soft gray if I don't light it or gray, but it's really matte. So it doesn't yeah. show the reflection of the lights. If I do the glossy one in the background, you see the reflection of the light. So that's why the three options and I can have the fall off, turn the uh, matte white gray. It's great. So I, I'm doing white, gray and black as my main background colors. That's cool. And th so those are the, is that, those are the first three products in Hurley Pro. What's, what else is in there? Yeah, right now those are the first three products. We we developed a line of lighting called the Medusa lighting system, which we launched at WPPI a year ago, and I was going full bore ahead with it, and I realized that there was a lot more to photography lighting than meets the eye. I was testing light like crazy. I was throwing a ton of money into it, and then my designer got in a fight with the engineer, and the engineer was anyway everything kind of fell apart. So where I am with that. And people keep asking me, is it coming? Do I want it to come? Yeah, because the things that these lights need to do that I've researched that I want and that are, they are going to do when they come out are the things that I need. I can't run around with uh, fluorescent lights. I can't throw them on planes and jump right. in a car, you know, and I, I, they're fragile and, and they're, they're pretty heavy and tough to deal with. So I want uh, to be able to run with my lights. So, But I also want them to be perfect. They got my name on them, you yeah. know, so I have to – so what I'm doing is I'm doing a lot of research, talking with a lot of companies. The last year has been amazing for me in the photo industry. So I've developed a lot of connections, and um, I put the lighting on hold for the moment, um, yeah. except for the communication that I'm having with different lighting designers to try and figure out a, a way to bring something to the market that's special and got my name on it. Um, but I'm also, I have other products coming down the line that I'm really charged about, but again, logistics and stuff, we've got one that's probably going to come out pretty soon that I don't want to really announce what it is cause I'm excited about it. Let's keep it, let's keep that stuff a secret. You have to give me an exclusive later, you know? Yeah, well, closer. there we go. It's not, it's simple studio stuff. It's all studio stuff that, that, um, 
or you can bring it on location. Just stuff that makes me go, why didn't this do this before? Let's make something that does this. Yeah, make those are the best products. products. Those are the best yeah. products that solve those those problems that we didn't know that we had. They're just sort of little annoyances, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah so what's, what's, what's next for you? I mean, you, I know you're, you're, are you heading out to WPPI in March? And, you yeah. know, what's, what's happening in the I'm world doing, of world? So I'm doing WPPIU. I'm doing a course there on lighting. Then I'm going to do a platform class on direction. And then I'm going to do a master class on, on create. It's called the creating the perfect headshot. So I'm pretty psyched about those three classes. I'll be doing shooting in the Hasselblad booth. Um, I'm also speaking in the B&H booth and, and running around the show. So hopefully anybody there, come find me. I'd love to say hi. I had such a great time at WPPI last year. So I'm really looking forward to it. I love Vegas and, you know, in spurts. Um, yeah, I and, know. In, in, in controlled doses, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I leave straight from there to go to L.A. to do my workshop, the Headshot Intensive. It's yeah. a two-day workshop, and I do those all over the country. I do. I have one in. I have one in L.A. in March, and in Chicago in March, and those have space. So anybody watching this wants to get in, go to ph2pro.com, and uh, and fire it up. Um, but yeah, other than that, Scott Kelby and I are working on a book together. Cool. And uh, I'm going to be at Photoshop World uh, with him. And after that, the F-Stoppers guys are going to the Bahamas. So that's going to be a fun one. So I'm going to teach in the Bahamas, which is just amazing. So that's the end of May. And then this summer, I'm thinking about doing a tour around Europe a little bit. I want to take the kids and the wife and, and do a couple European cities. And, and I have a, a nice following over there. So um, I'm going to self-produce some stuff and see if people show up. I, I gotta say, it it doesn't suck to be you, man. You got the life going on there. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I'm pretty psyched that I mean, I feel pretty fortunate. But you know, the number one thing when I started doing all the teaching was is I have to shoot. Yeah. So I I didn't want. I've heard people say when you end your career, start teaching, and I don't mm -hmm. feel that way at all. I feel like I'm getting better because of teaching. Yeah. So. Um, also everybody, I haven't updated my website since 2004, um, which is bad. I mean, pictures on it. Yes. Here and there over the years, but really some of them are from 2004, but the, the, the site has been the way it is since 2004. My website guy, my web guy's a rock star and we won an award for like the best website in the world, like back then, yeah. but we haven't changed it. So I you know that, going, you do realize that was ten years ago, right? Just yeah, it's bad. <laughs> so we're I'm working day in and day out with um with uh, my retoucher and and we're going through images and I'm doing launching a a lot of a new it's a new look to my work it's a it's new imagery it's it's time it's overdue yeah. and I just think um I I'm sure the response is going to be great so I I'm excited for that and that's going to come out we're going to try and launch that in the next couple of weeks we're going nuts I'm I've been up to like 1 a.m. every morning in the studio like trying to get this done so I don't know how much it'll probably launch and then I'll add more images to it but I want to launch with enough for it to look you know and and I'm being picky about everything that goes on it so yeah yeah well Peter thank you for taking the time to do this. Awesome. It's a pleasure and an honor chatting with you and picking your brain. You know, I, I still have a ton of questions, so we may have to have you on again to, to dive deeper into this whole care and feeding of models and business and all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, thank you, and best of luck to everything you're doing going forward. What's a, what's a URL that uh, people can, that you'd like everybody to go to for the, the existing website before the makeover? Oh, it's peterhurley.com. 
it's all going to be there. And you can, and there's links to the DVD and the coaching site is phdpro.com and Hurley. All the links are there. You guys can see everything. Definitely check out peterhurley.com. And I'll, I'm going to, we're going to, are you doing the same thing in the Panasonic booth? Yeah. At WPPI? So yeah. we're going to do it again. Absolutely. Gotta, you're going to, you're going to give me a slot. Yeah, I'm going to give you a slot. You're coming on. Through like before. <laughs> we'll call it the shebang <laughs> session. How about that? There we go. That's perfect. That's awesome. Perfect. That All great. right, Peter. Thanks a lot, man. Enjoy, for enjoy your cold weather on the East Coast. Oh, my gosh. It's horrible today. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for watching, and, and for every thanks as usual. I'm psyched to see you in a month out there. Likewise, man. We'll have a drink right. or something. Uh, for sure. All, All right. right. Take care of you. Bye-bye. See you.